guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am Monica, and I'm and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. Hey, hi guys. Hi. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, unreliable narrators. This episode, but before we get started, I just want to ask that you guys please follow us on Instagram. Uh, I've been meeting to the number two. Follow us on there so you know when our episodes go live. And also, feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'll be putting up video recordings of the podcast that are like nicely edited and like really funny. And I hope you guys, you know, you'll check that out. You want to watch those? A lot of fun and. Also also, you guys can support us on Anchor. If you go to anchor.fm and you go to our podcast, there is a uh, little link that will take you to a place where you can support us for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. And I'll also put that link in the description of the podcast if you'd like to support us. I really appreciate that. Either way, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate seeing you here. And before we get started with the main event, let's start with... Um, you know, what was it? I can't wait to watch at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I think it's just I can't wait to watch. Yes. We're going to start with I can't wait to watch first. Um, you go so, ahead for this one. You go ahead because okay. you had some interesting <laughs> ideas. Huh? You, ha- you had some interesting ones you want to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So first thing, I still cannot wait to watch um, Venom. I haven't mm-hmm. gotten to it yet, but tonight I'm going to watch Candyman with my cousin. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I'm really excited. I don't usually watch horror movies, but I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited for, what was it? Oh, I'm excited. Did you know there is a movie coming out? It is the movie of the season. It is a cinematic masterpiece. Oh. It is the movie we've all been waiting for and pining for. It is the cultural event that will like shift the... Um, it will just, it will change everything. No, I'm you know what movie it is? What movie? It's Karen. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember I saw um D'Angelo Wallace when he, like, when the trailer first came out, he was, like, reacting yeah. to it. Yeah, it's out now. So if you guys want to go watch it and just be blown out of the water by a cinematic masterpiece that is absolutely not copied off of Get Out, go check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on the internet somewhere. You'll find a bootleg. You don't have to give BET any money. Just go watch it, and I'm sure we will all be just taken aback by the phenomenon that is um, Taryn Manning. Okay, wait, wait. Karen. It is out now, though, right? Like, you said it is out now? It's out, yeah. Okay, so that means that when we have our episode, when we're talking about movies that, like, tried to make a point but failed, we we have to talk about Karen. And then we have to watch it! (laughs) We have to watch it! We'll watch it. We'll watch it. We'll review it. We'll read it to Phil. We'll do everything. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be. That's gonna be. You know what? It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. Because of course. Yeah. Because yeah. we're watching yeah. it specifically, um, because like we're analyzing it. Like we're going in knowing that we're gonna be analyzing it. It'll make it more interesting. Of course, yes. Cannot wait for that. Um, I need to look at my notes real quick to see what else I'm excited for. But like, Glenn, go ahead. What are you excited okay. to watch? So I'm not sure what company is making this. And this makes me a little bit concerned. But um, there's this new movie coming out. It comes out October 22nd, I believe. And it's called Ron's Gone Wrong. It's an animated movie. And it's about this like awkward middle schooler. Um, and he has like... I guess essentially it's like a phone, but that like is alive and is like like an actual like avatar in the real world. Um, 
and like it's I it's real very Pixar esque. Um, I'm not sure if Pixar is actually one creating this, but it has a very Pixar movie vibe to it. Um, and so anything that's like Pixar, obviously, I'm going to watch. Uh, and I have a couple of friends who are like really big into the um, I don't know what to call it, like the the Disney Pixar kind of world, and they're like pretty popular influences. And they recently went to um, like a red carpet premiere screening of it, like over the weekend. And they all said that was absolutely amazing and that they loved it. And so, I mean, now I have to. Now I have to. Of course, you have to go see it. And I, I think it looks pretty good, honestly. I yeah. haven't seen, I haven't watched a lot of, um, I haven't watched a lot of animated movies in a long time. And this looks interesting. I mean, I definitely hope so. Um, but yeah, it looks cool um worst comes to worst it's just going to be like a mid-tier mo- movie i doubt it's going to be bad so yeah and i think yeah because sometimes like with um animated films honestly the story doesn't have to be the best because usually it's just for kids mm-hmm. but it's never you know usually you don't find one that's like horrible yeah you know like there may be a few plot holes but you have a fun time exactly also the visuals are usually pretty good so yeah i mean they have to be good it's Mm an animated film we're here for the visuals exactly so if it doesn't at least look nice and doesn't even at least look like smooth or like put together then like y'all drop the ball you know exactly that's That's like the entire point that's the entire point of having it literally the entire point of an animated film is that animation looks good all right what was another one that you were looking forward to I am looking forward to Midnight Mass on Netflix. It's already out. I can't wait to watch it. Um, Because I've been trying to get into scary stuff because it's the spooky season. So Midnight Mass is when I'm going to start watching because I finished The Haunting on Bly Manor. And that was horrifying. That was horrifying to watch. It was very, very good. It's a spinoff off of The Haunting on... The Haunting on the Hill House, I forget. Mm-hmm. But the Haunting of Hill House, yeah, yeah. The Haunting of Hill House, yes. I watched that series, which was wild and crazy, just full of family tra- like trauma and like ridiculous. And then I watched Bly Manor, which I think was better, mainly because like I feel like people like were like, hey, um, there are too many white people in this. And they're like, oh, we got you. And then they added in some color. And I feel like that just brought a little bit more spice to the story. And All then right. there were... And then there was like sapphic love, which I am here for. And it was very good. It was very like, when you keep watching it, like the thing is with like the haunting series, you mm-hmm. start watching it and you're like, this is scary. I know it's supposed to be scary. But then they bring in like love and like expectations and like family. And then you got to watch the show because it'll have you focusing on a character's talking and then someone will start moving in the background. And you're like, who's that? hold up and then you have to go back and catch yeah, it and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it is so good i love it so much it's so great and watching it reminded me that you is coming back soon yeah and i'm guys our favorite problematic white boy he's coming back and he's gonna have a baby and i i don't know how i feel about a man who is a father stalking people like while like carrying a child like it's oh it's gonna be a lot and like one of the pictures that they released was like a picture of them both completely naked and just talking to each other. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared. I'm <laughs> I am, I am completely like, oh my gosh, he met his match and boy, oh boy, he's mm-hmm. gonna, yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for you to come back. Awesome, great. Awesome. So let's get into it guys. Today we're talking about films with unreliable narrators and you know, an unreliable narrator is when you're 
someone who is telling the story from their perspective, but as you continue along with the story, things change and you realize that the perspective of your, um, you know, the person acts as the vessel for the story. However, the way they perceive the story to have happened and their actions from the story kind of changes as you continue watching along. And mm. I like, I like we have to start with Gone Girl because upon rewatch, I realize <laughs> I, I hate Amy. Wait, it's okay. I can I make a joke really quick? Can I make a joke really quick? Really yes, quick. Just because I know people, some people came to this podcast thinking about this. I regret to inform you mm-hmm. that if you came to this podcast thinking that we were going to bring up a certain movie that came out recently that has a problematic white boy that's a main character that has that's a little bit of an unreliable narrator because he may be insane and maybe torturing a city called Gotham that may or may not exist. Mm. You came to the wrong podcast. You came to such the wrong a movie place. such a movie will not be discussed when no. we're talking about unreliable narrators. It was no. a good thought though. It was a good thought. You know, you thinking that we would take time out of our day to watch that film about a certain character within popular culture that has been already like in been in like other mediums like y'all gotta let everywhere that man go. he has y'all his comics he rest. has his movies he has his series he has his graphic novels i'm sure he has radio shows he has everything he's all over Bro, the place. like we don't care we, we, y'all gotta leave brooklyn and leave them steps alone all right it's not that's not the place for you to have your little moment all right like sorry not sorry, sorry. all right now that we've talked about that talk about amy talk to me about amy oh my gosh so I realize now I watched the movie when I, I actually read the book first because mm-hmm, I remember yeah. when the book came out, it came out and it was actually in my school library. So I checked it out and I read it and I really liked it. Yeah, it was very good. And then they announced the movie and mm. the film came out and I reread the book before watching them. And I liked both of them because I think I liked the story and how it was told. Yeah. And that's just how I consumed media when I was a bit younger. And now that I'm older, I see it more for the characters and I see the circumstances. And I, then I, and now I cannot help but insert myself into films yeah. because I am, I was, I grew up with films that didn't have people who looked like me in them. So the stories I couldn't relate to. So I had to try and see it through the perspective and the eyes of the characters within the film to understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, I had a certain respect for Amy and everything she did. And I loved how well the book and the movie lined up and how she doesn't lose any of her personality. But now rewatching the film at my grown age, I realized that Amy is just like a whiny little baby who is too smart for her own good and just needs like, like she treats people. I She's too smart and has a little bit too much time on her. A too, little much bit, too much time. time. Too much time on her hands. You spent a year planning a fake murder because your husband got lazy because your husband turned out to be just a guy. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. No one can compete with you. No one can compare with you. No one can measure up to you. No one's as smart as you. Ah. Uh, uh, Girl, shut up, please. Uh. Especially like, so I keep going back and forth. It depends when I watch it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I absolutely love this line. And sometimes this is like the killer line that makes me absolutely hate Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, because it's near the end of the movie. But like, it's near the end. Everything's been revealed. The reporters are like coming um, for like the final interview. This is like with mm-hmm. like 15 minutes left in the movie, maybe. Yeah. Um, and they're having an argument upstairs 
and uh, he slams her into the wall and mm. says that like, you know, this isn't what I want, blah, 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 you're lying. Um, this isn't me. And she says, the only time that you like yourself is when you, you weren't trying to impress this cunt, me. Um, and like, like I say, go back and forth because is that incredibly true? Yes. The time of like, at least from what we can see, yeah. the time that he was happiest was when he was actively trying to impress her. Yeah. And you can see that from like the first time that they meet, like they're, they're casual, like going back and forth. Like that's the energy. Um, but just because that's true, doesn't mean that one you're allowed to say it and doesn't mean that he isn't allowed to be happy and like himself and not be trying to impress you like he's allowed yeah. to find multiple ways to like himself yeah like it's not like he was miserable and sad before he met you yeah he was it's fine. just that he was happy with you because you guys were in a relationship together and you were happy mm-hmm. you know and certain cracks came with the relationship because of the recession and they lost both of their jobs and she gave money to her parents. That was her trust fund. And she didn't, you know, she didn't consult him on it. And then when his mom got diagnosed with cancer, he made the choice for them to move to Missouri, but she didn't consult her about it. So now there's this distrust and there's not communication and there's like, you know, it's just frayed. And that's kind of like what we see in like the meat of the film, you know, because the movie starts with Nick just going on about his day, drinking bourbon at 10 a.m., which is like, As okay, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, playing okay. board games with your sister in a bar. Yeah, that's normal. Like, that's just what you do. Like, that's when I clock into work, of course, you're going to play board games because why not? Exactly. You know what I mean, and then you go home and you see that, like, you know, the house looks a bit of a mess something's wrong your wife isn't there and you call the cops you know and it gets turned into a missing person and i'm gonna be honest when i first watched the movie i didn't think he did it and the reason why i didn't think he did it is because he's just too stupid yeah because the whole time this guy is clueless to what's going on he's absolutely clueless his her parents they have formed uh, a, a look they for volunteers to look for her mm-hmm. they've created a hotline yeah and like you notice how every single time they're doing something for amy a vigil a search party a press conference he's always late yeah he's not- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's always late see that just sounds like him though like it's he's mm-hmm. just like some people are just always late. um and like i like they try to make it seem a little bit more nuanced um, when like he introduces the like when the affair is introduced and yeah. then you're like oh well maybe like he killed her because he was having an affair um and then like a little bit later they kind of do the angle um so was he did he not do this but he's okay that it happened because if she's actually gone then the affair will never be found out about and so like they they try they try um, but I, I don't think I ever believed, even the very first time that I read the book, that like he was the one that was doing it. Yeah, I think that with the blood in the luminal, that one part when they found that evidence, it kind of solidifies to the audience that like Amy is like possibly dead, and Nick has probably done it. And throughout like the beginning of the movie, is trying to you know it shows you Nick and Amy's happy relationship, and then Nick you know, figuring out that his wife isn't here, she's gone, and figure out what he needs to do. And I'm just going to straight up say it, like, Nick 
is so oblivious to anything going on. Like he talks to the cops without a lawyer, which you should never do. Yeah. Even if you're innocent, don't do that. Don't trust the cops. Like that's just a smart thing to do. Can I say this? Can I say this? Yeah. Just cause, just because we are who we are, we have to bring it up. That does sound like something that a stereotypical white straight male living in America mm-hmm. that has never really struggled with money until like recently. Yeah. Would do. That seems right. like someone who has has no fear or no like concern with the law because it's never been brought up against. Yes, you're right. And like no understanding of how like these things work. Like your wife is missing. You are the husband. You're automatically suspect number one. Obviously. You should have you should have hit somebody up who had their number on a park bench. Okay. Like anyone. I never sir. Because he is talking to the police and he's cooperating and he's under the assumption that they already think that he's innocent. And that's where you messed up. That's where you, that's where you were wrong. And it's just like, it's so. Like even like you could have even talked like I, another thing, the fact that he doesn't talk to the parents, like she's missing for almost a full 24 hours before he even tells the parents. And like, they get mad at him for that. Um, And like, I guess you could excuse it with stress and stupidity, maybe. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like. His parents aren't like maybe not now because like of the debt and everything, but they were like multi-millionaires because of yeah. amazing Amy and all of that. They have lawyers. You literally could have hit up your, you know, like your in-laws and immediately gotten a pretty amazing lawyer, like an hour after you found out she was missing. Yeah. And you know, the parents are absolutely like turning over the town to find her and they're doing everything they can to like like figure out where she is. And I can't help but like watch this and just be like y'all are putting all these resources finding this woman that has never like it's amazing to me like y'all put all these resources to find these women and how many other people go missing in that town or in that state and you just like you just send one dog out the dog comes back doesn't find anybody and you just call it a day how many times does that happen yes it's all about the money it's all about the money it's i'm not even sure if i can say that's sad it's a little bit sad but it's mostly just true and she knew that, like, they would go looking for her because she's amazing Amy, mm-hmm. you know? She's been the poster child. She's been the inspiration for this incredibly successful children's book that people grew up reading. So if she goes missing, they feel like a part of their childhood. So they are just so hyper-focused on finding her because, of course, they want to find her and they should want to find her and she should be found. But also, like, it's, oh my gosh, it's such, mm, it's such an adventure and I gotta say, like, when I found out that he had a mistress, I was upset too because I was like, oh, it's a mistress. Of course. And I just But did she have to be formula. a student? Did she have to yes, be a she student did. though? Because that's the thing. Amy is a smart girl. She's a cool girl. She, you know, she did all these things so Nick would like her. And well, then when she wasn't the cool girl, he went and found somebody that he could, it's it's just that, you know. Wait, okay, wait a second. I feel like, because, like, a lot of people, because it's just, like, a throwaway line. Like, it's a line in, like, a string of lines. So like, you might just, like, miss. But she says something, like, in Amy's narration. She says something, and, like, it's her, like, grocery shopping or whatever. And she says all the things that she did to be a cool girl. And one of the things that she mentioned is that, like, she ate cold pizza and drank beer while still staying a size two. Like, Like, obviously, she was kind of doing it out of, like, spite and, like, a little bit of excitement, obviously. But, like, the amount of dedication that it takes to be doing what she did and still have, like, the slim, perfect figure that, like, Mm -hmm. Nick would want. 
like what girl what 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 good one what girl would even want to do that like what girl is putting in yeah. that much time and effort that they're that concerned about like what like their man or their guy thinks of them that they're literally going to be basically killing themselves to keep yeah. like the figure that he wants that hopefully not very many because that's not what you should be doing obviously mm -hmm. but like that just shows like the level of like at least dedication at the very least. I won't say love necessarily, but at least the amount of dedication that she has for them. And the fact that he's too oblivious to even see that or notice that reinforces the idea that he's just, just kind of dumb. He's completely oblivious. I think that a lot of men are, and that's just like how it is. And Amy's character, she's obviously incredibly smart and calculating, but also manipulative. And she saw... She saw Nick as somebody who could be on her level. And, you know, she made him smarter. She made him sharper. She kept him on his toes. And she did the same thing for him. You know, she kept it tight, right and tight mm -hmm. as rewarding him for continuing to be somebody who would challenge her and who would be someone that she could be with and be happy with. But eventually when he just kind of like started falling short of that, he was like, you know, she like... I remember there's a scene where they first meet at a party and they say these two lines and they, the way they talk in the movie when they first meet, so fucking pretentious. It's like, please shut up. There she is, says- You say it and then I'll say what I thought of when like I heard those lines for the first time. Go ahead, go. Okay. So she's, I think that, yeah, she says wives, you treat, you know, wives who treat their husbands like monkeys to be trained and paraded. And then he says, husbands who treat their wives like highway patrol to be outfoxed and avoided. And Amy, Nick liked Amy because she was smart and she was hot and mm -hmm. he was in awe of her intelligence. But when he lost his job and he started playing video games all day, she was still intelligent. She was still cunning. She was still on her toes and he fell behind and he didn't like the fact that she was smarter than him. He liked that she was smart, but he liked that he could keep up with her intelligence and that they were at a tete-a-tete. -tete. But when she's smarter than him, he resents it because he used to be able to keep up. So of course he went to the little girl who looks like an Instagram model and was with her because she's in awe of his intelligence and she likes him and she like is in awe of who he is and he can like show her things like this is my bar this is my card this is my wallet this is my credit card and she's like oh my gosh you're so cool i just have a starbucks gift card to for a rewards program and he likes that yeah. he doesn't actually want to be with her but he likes it like she's like you know a cute little puppy dog she makes him feel smart like yes. okay most people in general i will say guys but like just people in general like mm -hmm. feeling smart especially they like feeling smart more than they like feeling dumb yeah. So, like, I mean, it's it makes sense that if he was going to have an affair, it would be with like the stereotypical dumb college student, uh, mm -hmm. just because like that's what he was looking for, just someone to make him feel smart. And obviously, like the prenup and her having money and her buying his bar was also something that made him resent her and. You know, like, I don't have anything to say really in regards to that. Because, like, that's marriage. That happens. Like, your marriage mm -hmm. is imperfect. But that doesn't mean that you have to spend a whole year planning a whole ruse so that he can go to jail because he isn't as smart as you are anymore. He forgot to take out the trash one morning. Or, like, he doesn't, like, go down on you as many times as you want him to. Like, that's not a reason to set him up for murder. 
Although I do say I love the chaotic energy. As like a fantasy story, I love the chaotic yeah. energy. In reality, way too far. Way too soon. Have you considered couples counseling? Um, Have you considered divorce? True. Have you considered divorce? Have you considered like sitting down with him and actually talking? I know that it's it's cliche and it's dumb, but um, everyone says communication is key. If you aren't talking to each other, it doesn't matter how good the relationship was. It's mm-hmm. going to fall apart. Right, right. And she, gosh, like she, like the whole thing with the credit cards, but she was buying all those purchases and she just like hid that stuff in um, the his shed. sister's mm-hmm. in, in the shed. When he said that line in an interview, he was like, Amy, I've gone to the woodshed and I'm ready to make things right. That is... Here's the thing. There were a lot of times in the investigation where certain things did not line up and Amy planned things to the T. Like you saw the post-it notes on her calendar Mm -hmm. and there are certain things that she would hope to fall in place with the investigation. So that would all lead back to him. And when she called in that anonymous tip about the woodshed, obviously they ignored it because who's going to pay attention to that? That sounds stupid. But when he said that line, they remembered the call and that fell into place. It's those little things that even though like she meticulously planned it, it's like, out of luck, it falls in her lap. Like it's just like, oh my gosh, the screenwriter just like killed it with that. I was, I was screaming when he said the line because like, oh, she got. He's like, he thought he was getting the one up on her. He was like, I got you. He I saw the purchases. He really, he and really thought. He really thought he was one step ahead. And she was like, baby, I set you up a, a week ago. A and week can ago. we, can we talk about? Because it hurts me so, so mm. much. Now, obviously, I don't like Amy. But if yeah. if I'm in a story with you know the female is like cunning and extremely smart and a little bit evil, I can accept mm-hmm. that. I can enjoy that movie, and I do. I do. I love yes. Gone Girl. So why why was she dumb enough to lose her money and then have like the the Missouri like I don't even know what to call them like trailer trash. I don't even, I don't even know how did she lose her money to them. This woman she, planned out everything, like using every every piece of psychology for a year, meticulously planned out every single step. And then she was foiled because two trailer park trash people found out that she had money. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make and, sense. Let's be realistic. She's the type of person who she would take that envelope of money that she had, all of that, mm-hmm. and she would hide a bill in different places across her entire like house. So that if you really want to collect her money, you found out you, that she had money, it would take you like 10 hours to collect all of it. Like that's the type of person she was. She wouldn't just yeah. always have it on her. If you, were gonna, yeah, if you were going to spend a whole year planning out a, uh, if you're going to spend a whole year and you're going to pin your disappearance and murder on your husband, then you need to have a smarter way to hide your money. Because she couldn't have thought that people, she wasn't going to run into some sketchy characters. Exactly. Like you, you were specifically going to a sketchy place. Yeah. Like sketchy people tend to live in sketchy places. You're going to live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere that accepts cash payments for rooms. That's really and, the definition of sketchy. Absolutely. 110%. Also, I forget, how long was she there? Like she was there. She was for only like, there for like three days. Three days. Okay, but, like, she immediately disliked them. Like, even as soon as the pool scene, where, like, Mm -hmm. the the girl came and sat next to her, and then the guy was, like, yelling from, like, over there. Like, she should have known right then. Like, Mm -hmm. these are not people to be trusted. If I haven't hid my money already, I need to hide it right now. Yeah, absolutely. And 
another thing when they were like looking for the money she looked to the girl and she was like why are you letting him do this like why are you making him why she thought it was a guy's idea but it was the girl's idea yeah like she she really thinks that she's smarter than everybody she can outpace everyone and this woman just came in with brute force and took you down you're smart to save you this time babe like so i like the the like i i at least like the idea that like Mm -hmm. sometimes brains aren't everything because like it is true in the real world just being smart isn't always enough to protect you especially in like violent illegal situations like that and like i get that that's fine and it's realistic like obviously if you find out like if that someone has a large amount of money and it's not protected like it's reasonable to assume someone might steal so i'm not faulting i guess i'm not faulting them for like the writers for like writing it that way because it makes mm-hmm. sense. I'm faulting the stupidity of a character that is supposed that is basically like a godlike intelligence at this point. Yeah. It yeah. just seems like such a dumb miss. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you could tell that she was annoyed by that girl when they were sitting down to watch the woman who was like on the like, you know, Fox News type show. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about, you know, Amy Dunn's in disappearance investigation and then nick dunn being super sus and the girl who's living in the trailer park she was absolutely like just like yeah i don't know it just seems like a bored house life like i don't really care and amy got so mad because she wants to be america's sweetheart she wants to be adored and looked after and the fact that this one person does not think that she is absolutely like blameless and innocent and such like a wonderful wife and deserves to be found that got under her skin that really like ticks her off see but that see that one that makes sense that makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense that she would be like that um i guess it it is a little bit weird i'll give just because like she is an icon amazing amy clearly someone didn't like the book like no matter what book you release there's at least gonna be some people that don't like it but maybe she just like never paid attention to it. But like, I do like that. That someone who just blatantly just doesn't care. It's not like they're being malicious. They're not being mean. The girl was like a little bit uncaring, but she didn't like hate like amazing Amy. She didn't like hate her or anything. She's just like, that eh, seems boring. Seems dumb. Um, Just like someone being so flippant and not really caring whatsoever. That makes sense. That would instantly get under her skin. And one thing I don't like about this movie, because I feel like this movie could be like misconstrued by like you know, misogynist, because mm-hmm. Amy is not a good person. She no. is a completely, like, that scene with the guy who was falsely accused of rape, I was watching that, and I was like, oh my gosh, she is such, like, she's, she's a, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even just, I was sitting there, and I was like, this is absolutely horrible, and I was watching him talk about, like, how Amy, like, girls like fixer-uppers, but Amy wants a project. Amy, like, nit nitpicked everything he did. And I was just like, oh, gosh, this is so bad. This, like, this, like, version of, like, what's going on is, like, it's horrible. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Another thing I was, like, the guy was telling the story, and I was like, yeah. And I was so, I felt, like, cringe. And it's this thing that white women do where they rely on their femininity and their innocence to protect them from their con- from consequences, from their actions. And maybe the guy was not the best boyfriend, but we don't know that for sure. What we do know is that he couldn't keep up with Amy. And so she punished him by making sure that he wasn't able to ever get a job ever because yeah. he has to write down that he's a sex, a sex predator, mm-hmm. you know? And nobody wants to hire that kind of person in their workplace. Yeah. And people will feel safe around that guy. And it's like, 
there's a certain way to go about things and you can't go from like one, two, three, and then like 150 exactly. just out of nowhere because people do not meet your impossible expectations. I I will agree. I So I, al- I always block that out of my memory because it just mm-hmm. seemed, I just, I don't like that scene at all. One, no. like you said, it can be easily construed um, by misogynists saying like, oh, because like there's a lot of talk about that like right now, like um, yeah. women using false like rape allegations to like get a one up. And it j- it's not the narrative that we need to be talking about right now. Yeah. I feel like, especially with such a sensitive topic, it's the amount of, I mean, I can't even speculate on like the amount of cases that happen that go unreported, but like the, the, but the, um, the percentage that are false are so incredibly small. And the fact that we're choosing to focus on that instead of the hundreds of thousands of cases are being reported that are true, greatly shows that we really don't care about anyone. We just want everything to be silent. We want it to be quiet. We are, we are in no way interested in fixing the problem. And the thing is, is that I thought about that and I was thinking about the end, season, end scene when she's talking to the FBI. And I'm sitting here like, this was with the light of the FBI. It's over, it's a wrap. Like, it's done. It's, it's curtains for her. And I was thinking about how so many times when women are assaulted or taken or hurt by men, oftentimes women are not believed and taken at face value, even when there is evidence that points to that man being the predator, being the abuser, being the bad guy. And women are seen at fault. And it's like, what are you wearing? Why are you hanging out with him? Why did you stay with him? Why didn't you divorce him? And all these different things. And with Amy, people are so ready to believe her, as people should, because you should believe women when they go through, and survivor stories matter. But Amy has done all of this for her own amusement, for her own entertainment. She has done this to punish men and to entertain herself so that she could be the center of attention because her parents didn't give her enough love when she was younger because she quit volleyball when she was in freshman year. And then guess what? Amazing Amy got varsity. She didn't want to play cello. And then Amazing Amy got first chair cello. So now she is playing the perfect Amy, having everyone perceive her as this innocent, hurt, wounded victim character. And she is a conniving, cunning, evil person. Exactly. Try to say that she's evil and cunning and conniving and that she saved the whole thing and you try to poke holes in her story, you were seen as the bad guy because you're going against somebody who was brutalized and has bravely saved themselves when everything was constructed just so that she could be it's in it, it, it's infuriating to me. It's infuriating because like you think about like so many times where people go to trial and go to court and how many rape cases don't even like get to court and how people just get away with that stuff. And here she is just lying, just being believed. And you would want that for anyone who's actually gone through that and not for somebody who's just trying to play games with the police. Exactly. Exactly. It's not that hard to sign divorce papers. It's goodness. not that hard. Also, she has a prenup. She would have gotten out the money. Just exactly. leave him. You doing all this extra stuff for what? Why are we in this? Why? And I love that, like, she really thought she could dye her hair and change her clothes and no one would recognize her. Baby, those glasses were $5.99 yeah. at a big lot. See, that too. Like, the fact that, like, again, trailer trailer park trash girl was able, like, your, your hair is terribly dyed. Those mm-hmm. aren't real glasses. I don't believe you've ever been hit before. Um, my mom, sorry. Okay. Like, yeah, obviously, it was very obvious. It was very blatant that, like, I don't know, she was, I'm not, like, like she was, like, trying to hide. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like you pay with everything in cash and like you're shifty. Like you say your name is this, but she don't even respond to it mm-hmm. half the time. Like very clearly can lead through her lies. Like not everybody's as stupid as her husband. And, you know, I feel like all the evidence points pointed to Nick. Like that one scene after the vigil, like he was really going to get everyone on his side. He was like actually like saying the right things. And I was like, you know what, Nick, you better go off. And then homegirl came through the crowd party like the red sea <laughs> she was like why why'd you kill your pregnant wife nick and i remember reading that in the book and i was like oh i'm done i can't do this anymore oh no he's over it's over for him and he kind of was mm, mm, yeah and then that scene when the cop comes into the house immediately she's like did you know she was pregnant and that lets you know like from that point on they're like i'm about to lay out all the facts that point to you and point it to you from the very beginning, but mm-hmm. I'm a no-nonsense cop and I only go, go off of evidence. But I got the evidence, I got the facts, and now I'm presenting them to you, so I need you to tell me the truth. Exactly. And exactly. when he finally was like, I'm not talking to you unless there is a lawyer present. Like, you should have said that in the beginning. Yeah. It's the been very, like two days, three days, and you haven't done that yet. It's been four days. It's been four days, buddy. And you've just been, what? Chilling? Like, the, the night, the morning of the vigil, He's on his sister's couch with that girl. True. And she, I, oh my gosh. She really, you're in the living room. You didn't think she would hear you? Yeah. Like, those walls aren't thick. No. Neither like, of you guys have very much money. Okay. Like, she would have noticed that the door opened. So, what What are we doing here? Like, sir, what, I, oh gosh, I was so irritated. I was watching that. I was like, mm. and then... With the girl, she did the press conference just before he was supposed to go on TV. That was funny. That was funny. That was so funny. I loved that. She was dressed like a Mormon, just trying to hide her innocence. And I was like, dang, bro. It's an innocent little school. Like, I was, I was seduced my teacher. And it's like, oh, babes. Oh, I mean, good for you for getting in front of it, you know? Because obviously, like, usually when it comes to, like, men killing their wives for the mistresses, usually the mistress has no idea. Like, usually the mistress is like, oh, we meet in a hotel room at, like, 7 p.m. And they leave at 10. And then, like, he texts me, like, this man, obviously Nick has to be smart. Obviously he has to have some intelligence because he bought, like, a brick phone that you have, people haven't used since, like, 2005 yeah. to text her and to call her. And, like, when you see that phone that he has that can't be traced, if you think that he is the killer, first thing that's going to go to your mind is, like, is he calling, like, and this accident, like, who is he texting? Like, what's going on? And when I remember, I remember watching the movie, and I was like, "Is he texting Amy?" I remember when I first watched the movie. I oh, thought, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's texting Amy because this is supposed to be a treasure hunt, so we're supposed to find her now. And then I was just like, "No." And then it was the girl, and I was like, "When I first watched it, I was like, oh, oh no, I thought the cops were gonna come out. I'm not gonna lie, I thought the <laughs> cops were gonna go wee 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 wee." And I was like, "Ooh, it's over. It's a wrap." But that was only like 30 minutes into the movie. We're not wrapping it up yet. Oh my gosh. The movie is so long, but each second of it is just so It was good. It doesn't feel drawn out at all. It's not, it feels kind of like it cut it short. Like not actually cut it short, but the fact that like it ends on like the note that like nothing's changed really. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, oh, so we we really went two plus hours for nothing. Yeah. Nothing has happened. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm glad that the halfway point was the point where they were letting us know. Like, by the way, Amy's alive. Yeah. Like, she's just traveling across the country. She's fine. She's chilling. Cats. Exactly. Yeah. She is eating, like, garbage bin food right now, just living her best life. And, and she's loving it. But we have to talk about Desi. We have. We have to talk about Desi. Okay. Go ahead. 
<laughs> I I want to first and foremost apologize to Neil Patrick Harris for everything I'm about to say, and also I'd like to apologize to Neil Patrick Harris because also this is one little thing I don't think anyone's ever really talked about in the movie. The film is meant to like highlight um, Amy's power. And one thing that people do not think about when it comes to like films around love and romance is your bodies and how the camera focuses on certain parts of the body and how oftentimes in love and romance films, they focus on the women, like Mm -hmm. her boobs, the small of her back, her feet, because some people like feet, you know what I mean? And with Gone Girl, this is told from Amy's perspective. Amy is taking the power back. Amy is in control. Amy is the smart, conniving, cunning person. She wants to be the one in charge. And oftentimes with like films of sex, obviously it's focused on women's bodies because men look at women and sex is seen as power and sexuality is the power within the camera lens. Mm-hmm. And this is just a long drawn out way of me saying, I'm glad that we got to see two dicks. I this is weird, but like they don't show it in film. You're right. No, no, you're completely right. You're completely right. You watch, I watch all seven seasons of Game of Thrones. No dicks, all titties. So for me to see two, it's like a brief cameo with Ben <laughs> Affleck. And then like Neil, if each one is a brief cameo, but they're there. And it's just like men being completely vulnerable and being completely at the behest of Amy because she is the manipulator. She is the puppeteer pulling the strings. And so men have to be completely just like stripped down in order to like even just like approach because she's just she's in charge. Yeah. You know? And I do appreciate that. I do appreciate <laughs> that. And I think that um the Desi Desi, it makes sense. Like when I was reading the book and they introduced Desi's character, I was like, oh, well, he did it. Like he took her. Yeah, He's been obsessed. It does with make her. perfect sense. Like before Amy plans everything later on, mm-hmm. it does make perfect sense that he would take her. Yeah. Like even though the journal points to like a failing marriage and you know her being a bit oh, a melodramatic, like imagine you spend a whole year writing fake journal diaries. Because that's another thing. The audience is falling around this perfect relationship, but we figured out that Amy wrote these journal diaries to draw in the cops Mm -hmm. to the love story of Nick and Amy. And we were drawn in as well. And there are probably certain parts that were like fabricated, like how Nick was so like pretentious when he first met her and what he was saying. It's like, why would he know how to be pretentious if he just met her? Like, I'm looking at Nick right now and I don't feel like he ever spoke that way ever so that's just another exaggeration on her part and with desi imagine having a backup plan in a guy who stalks you and writing letters to him for 20 years Mm -hmm. 20 years you just have that person on the back burner stringing them along and that's another thing stringing men along that's another thing with like women who are survivors like that i hate that i hate it so much and like some people fear like you know being murdered and being hurt and that's why you like keep communication so this person's happy so like they don't come after you because you broke up communications but (sighs) she has been talking to him for all these years and finally reaches out to him when she has disappeared and thinks she's dead of course he's going to see her as like his little plaything that he can control and manipulate and she picks up on that because when they're watching his interview with the woman Amy's eating ice cream and she's so transfixed and obviously Desi's annoyed. So when he turns off the TV, she's like, I need to learn how to behave, behave. 
like a child, like someone who's subservient and like he is in charge. And Desi, he straight up says like, I'm not gonna force myself on, but I do have cameras around the house and I am providing you room and board and food and you are hiding from your husband. So, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to expect an award and you're going to have to give it to me. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's like, it's the things that aren't being said in this scene that are important. And obviously like Amy sees herself as like the person who's in control. And so the second that she is caught off guard by Desi, she has to like come up with something, you know, to like save her. And I, I feel like the way he died, Desi died, should have been a clue to the cops that like, like how'd she get a box cut yet? Like someone yeah. does bring it up. It's at least mentioned. Like she could have strangled him or something like, but like the box cutter just being under the pillow, how would that even be in the room? If you had a box cutter in the same room where you're being tied up all the time. Why didn't you leave? Bitch, snip, snip, gone. <laughs> like I know he has cameras that show when everyone is leaving or anything like that, but like we, I, it's just, I don't know. Maybe she wanted one, one, one last ride, you know? I guess. I, oh gosh, Amy Dunn, you could have used her powers for good. Instead, you started playing around and wasting everyone's time. Well, I wasting. know that's a little bit beneath you, but you could become like a detective or something. Like, please, please do something useful. With I don't know. Wasting all of our time with this bullshit. Like, I, I can't. I'm over it. I'm over it. And I know that people love the film and like, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. However, I don't, I, if you're someone who relates to Amy Dunn's character, then Seek there's help. something wrong with you. There's something <laughs> wrong with you. Sometimes men are just stupid. And you just gotta like, you can stay with the guy or you can, yeah. And you can absolutely let him be with the college girl and just go off on your and own. I know, I know it's hard, but it is okay to admit that you just happened to fall in love with a guy that like wasn't that great. Like you mentioned how like you don't think um Nick ever wrote like those um like like no you said that how you don't think Nick ever spoke that way or was like that mm-hmm. pretentious or anything. Yeah. I feel like part of the reason why she wrote that is because like that's like the ideal guy that she will have fallen for. And so she has to make it seem like since she's like the perfect Amy, amazing Amy, like she has to make it seem like Nick was the type of guy that you would expect to fall for. And she couldn't even admit even to herself that Nick was never really that guy. And she just, yeah. like, sometimes you just fall in love. Like, you really, it just happens. Yeah. It's so irritating. And I just now realized that my mic isn't plugged in. I'm so sorry. I realize now that I've been using my camera audio. All right. That's better. Sorry. But yeah. The audio that is better. Be- I was wondering, but I was like, oh, maybe it's just like a connection thing. Anyways, yeah, okay. whatever. Do you want to use that as a transition into Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah, Mind? Because we, we've been ranting about Gone Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, next time, girl. Also, it's very sad. In the book, in the book, the ending is different because she is writing a novel, a memoir about what happened, and he's writing an opposite memoir about what happened. Mm-hmm. And so she is taking his semen from the fertility clinic. Like she went to a fertility clinic, got the semen. Because remember earlier in the relationship, she didn't want a kid. Yeah. She didn't want a child and she wanted the samples destroyed. So she went back to fertility clinic where her semen still is. It was like, get rid of that memoir or never your kid. And so in the book, that's how it happens. Obviously in the movie, it's different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people simply, there are only four people who are like, who kind of like know the truth and there's like well what are we gonna do now you know what i mean and i do want to say 
I was against this choice when it was first announced. But Tyler Perry is actually a good actor. Yeah. He's he's actually a good actor. Mm-hmm. Which makes me question why all his movies are terrible. Because if you know what it takes to be a good character, why can't you write any of them? Oh, hmm? no. Oh, no. Because when, when he used to get angry, he was exactly like Medea. And in this movie, he's like spot on. Like he's so good in this film. And I'm just, I'm sitting here like, what? Who is this? Who is this man? Like, how did you go from Gone Girl to Halloween to Medea's Boo Boo Halloween? Boo Boo Halloween. I don't remember how that was called. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That movie with all the freaking YouTubers in it and Bella Mm -hmm. Thorne. It's like, bro, stop. Yeah. We can go ahead and talk Eternal Sunshine. So, Unreliable Narrator. So, it's actually been more than 15 minutes since we started. So, I'm allowed to bring this up. So, we were talking quickly before the podcast about like unreliable narrators and we mentioned how a lot of times in film like mm-hmm. in order to have an unreliable narrator you have to like trick the viewer but viewers are pretty smart and so one of the best ways to do that is to have a non-linear story going on because it makes the viewer a little bit more confused and they're not picking up on clues as easily and as quickly because they're always focused on trying to place like when in time this is happening and that really helps with like having an unreliable narrator because if a viewer knows from like the first 30 seconds that the narrator is lying to them then like the mystery is already gone and like it it just isn't as compelling of a story part of the fun of an unreliable narrator is that you don't know that they're unreliable until later on in the story um and like obviously like gone girl has an uh a non-linear story and so does eternal sunshine um okay i just wanted to bring that up because like we mentioned it before Yes. And the one thing about like, I think when people um, talk about non-linear narratives in films, they often follow the same kind of formula to be non-linear where you start the movie in present day and then you kind of go back to the beginning where things were good. Because another movie that's similar to Gone Girl in the way that the story is told is Five Years. Yeah, I think it's called Five Years. It's like a movie musical. It starts Jeremy Jordan and Anna oh, Kendrick. Oh, uh, you were talking about, yeah, um, uh, The Last Five Years. I was wondering if you were going oh, to yeah. bring that up because I was thinking yeah. about the Apple, yeah, The Last Five Years. Mm-hmm. Yes, The Last Five Years. And it starts like, the movie starts at the very end of the relationship where everything, like, they don't talk to each other anymore. They're broken up. It's mm-hmm. done. It's gone. And it is gray. It is raining outside of New York. It is sad. And you see Anna Kendrick looking out of the window of her brownstone, completely, horribly heartbroken singing, still waiting, which is one of my favorite songs from that musical. Uh, and it then hits every time. It does. And she sings it so well, so basically. And there's something about a song where you sing it, you have to cry, but you have to stay within like, sounding good and like she just like she nailed it she's she like i got it. this i got this i'm good guys i'm good yes one take we got it. and movie musicals usually have like the kind of um side effect of being audio edited and sometimes you know characters actors voices aren't as good as they are live so when you watch the movie it's kind of like this isn't your real voice but it sounds good and it works and a kendrick's voice it's absolutely percent her own mm-hmm. and it's amazing and it's great. And the movie, it goes from like the bad parts of the relationship to just the good parts. And you're like following along watching it. And it's this kind of like, you're seeing the anatomy of their relationship and how it starts and how it starts to kind of get worse. And Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind is different because we're watching the movie 
and you don't know what's going on when you first watch the movie. Like, we are completely yeah. lost. And you get some kind of background as the film continues on, but I feel like the formatting really comes together when he actually goes through with the procedure yeah. of, like, erasing his memory. Because then, like, you kind of, like, because from there, like, you have, like, the tools. You can probably be like, okay, has this happened before? Like, has some, like, are, are we repeating things? Is he doing something similar? Yeah. And I like that the movie focuses less on, like, the sci-fi aspect of it, because the film was made in 2004. Yeah. So in a time where they didn't even have touchscreen smartphones, you were having this technology where you can erase people's memories. Mm-hmm. And that sounds ridiculous, and it's sci-fi. But I like that the procedure is so secretive that like they can barely talk about it. Like when his, I think his sister-in-law tells him that, you know, Clementine got her memory wiped. He is completely like baffled that this can actually happen. And this is a real thing. And he is like confused by this. But when you go to the office, it looks like a dead disease. Yeah. You know, you talk to the doctor, it's just like a normal doctor. And you see like the little machine that they used to first get in his brain. It's like an MRI machine. Mm-hmm. And, it focuses less on the sci-fi aspect and like the technology and like how does this happen and more on like this the vehicle and how we get to his memories doesn't matter we're exploring the relationship we're gonna get there when we get there don't even think about it don't even consider it it's not it's important but it's not the most important part of the movie what's important about the movie is joel and clementine Mm -hmm. and how they broke up and why they broke up exactly um and i i really appreciate that the movie did that I'm actually in um, a, a science fiction fantasy literature class right now. And so we read a lot of books and watch a lot of films that like, you know, develop the genre. And like, that's one thing that like keeps being brought up a lot of times, specifically in science fiction um, books, especially the ones that we remember, like are well-renowned. The technology is just there because the technology is there. And the actual mm-hmm. story always just explores how this piece of technology is affecting the world around them. Like, um, and like, obviously that's done a lot of times through like uh, all the different books and it's done very well. And like for a more modern example, like um, I know that's kind of like, like how good is it? But like Black Mirror, a lot mm-hmm. of the early episodes did it very well, especially like one that pops out the entire history of you where like they have all their memories, like they can like display them and like mm-hmm. project them so everyone can see. The cool, like, although like the technology is cool, the story isn't about the fact that you can use memories. Um, and mm. you can see memories. The story is about a marriage that is falling apart. And yes, the technology helps in it. And it's a tool, but it's a tool the same way that like in a murder mystery, like the person was stabbed with a knife and like the knife is the tool. Like it's not like an intricate, super important part. The important part is like the relationship between the people and it falling apart and why it fell apart. And then like the science fiction element is just there to help. Facilitate. I think it's very well done when um, shows and books do it like that, because that's how we actually operate in the real world. Technology isn't taking over us. It's just another thing that like is commonplace. We just use, and sometimes we use it for bad things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, the thing about, like along with Black Mirror, Black Mirror does a good job of technology and kind of like, I have to say, I love Black Mirror. I do think that some kind of plot points are repeated sometimes. Like sometimes there are things like, like Nosedive is a really good one. Especially because it's like happening now. Like, yeah. uh, Did you hear the news articles like last week or two weeks ago that like they're actually implementing almost the exact same system that's Mm -hmm. being used in Nosedive? It was in, 
it was in an East Asian country. I forget which one. I'm pretty sure that it was. I can find the article, but yeah. Yes. Um, the thing, like, Black Mirror is so good because it's, like, exploring technology and how, like, the investment technology can affect us and how it's affecting us now. And a lot of people talk about how, like, oh, well, it feels like we're living a Black Mirror, like, today. And, like, sure, it could feel that way. But I feel like there are some points of Black Mirror that can be, like, repeated. At times, I feel like some plots are, like, overused. And that's because we do fall into patterns with technology where things kind of happen because we're humans and, like, we don't learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And I like... Uh, eternal sunshine because it's kind of messy but that's mm-hmm. just how like relationship you know like black mirror is really like cut and paste like you follow a certain line you follow a certain scenario and you just go along with that you follow like the plot of it and with uh, eternal sunshine you're not only focusing on like joel and clementine you're also focusing on the people that are you doing the tests in the room and how they are also affected by it like yeah kristen dunn's character is just like seems like a ditzy kind of girl she's like a normal kind of girl and you first meet her it's like oh she's just there but as <laughs> you watch the movie more you realize that like there's something about her like why is she kind of like that and she keeps mentioning the doctor. And I'm like, does she have a crush on the doctor or something? And then the doctor shows up and you can see her boyfriend is kind of like a little pissed off that the doctor might be there. And I'm like, there's something else going on here. Y'all aren't explaining it to me. And I didn't pick up on it because we're both kissing on Joel and Clementine. Yeah. And then when she kisses the doctor and she does it in front of the mirror, so mm-hmm. the doctor's wife is on the street and the yep. doctor's wife sees it. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this doesn't work. That hit that doesn't work and also he was like oh it's just like brain damage but it's like after a night of heavy drinking no i'm sure that she did not act like that before you wiped her memory because you cheated off your wife with a woman who isn't even old enough to rent a car like what the heck it's just like a little thing that happened you know it seems like oh that happened in the background but it's still part of the story you know? yeah and gives us just more context into exactly what is this technology doing mm-hmm. and what it does to people like how people act and how people can react to this happening because it feels like something if like you go through something and someone breaks it up with you the first thing you want to do is erase the bad memories Mm -hmm. and see like that's so like obviously like we find out later spoilers for this movie but we find out later that they're kind of like trapped in a loop almost mm -hmm. and like they're always going to like fall in love meet each other fall in love slowly fall out of love the pain is there, so they're going to get the procedure and then it starts all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, someone, I was watching a review of this um, and someone explained like why it's so evident that they'll always go back to each other because although the procedure erases memories, it doesn't erase personality. Mm-hmm. And um, Clementine says at the, the first time, I think it's the first time that we find out about the procedure, she says that she got it because she's impulsive. Like she's impulsive and she just went and got it. That's a personality trait. That's not going to change because she got her memory erased. She's always going to do that. So every time when she gets heartbroken at the, the end of the loop, she's impulsive. She's going to get her memory erased and the loop is going to start again because like the because it won't erase that part of her. And the same way, um, like who you're attracted to and the type of person that you're attracted to is like partially your personality. It's like you can argue that's like somewhat affected by memories and past experiences, but it's very much so a part of your personality. You want someone that compliments you. And mm-hmm. so Joel will always continue to pursue Clementine because at the start of the loop, she is yet again, the exact same person 
that he wanted also at the start of the loop. So he's mm -hmm. always trapped to go back to her because she will always continue to be the exact match that he was looking for. You're right. And the thing is, is that like, this movie is so much better than other romance films because oftentimes you have like the quiet guy who's introspective and kind of like bottles everything up. And then you have the girl who's like loud and kind of like outspoken. And examples that come to my mind, of course, it's like Scott Pilgrim versus the world where you have Michael Sarah's character and Mary Elizabeth and how Mary Elizabeth is kind of like outspoken and she's like cool and Michael Sarah's character is the nerd and the same way Joel is kind of quiet and Clementine is more extrovert so in a normal romance film those opposites would attract and it would bring out different mm -hmm. aspects of their personality that would complement one another that would form this beautiful union and relationship that they would get along really well but real life is more complicated than that so if Clementine is more impulsive and she says the first thing that comes across her mind and Joel is very quiet and introspective she's going to keep asking him what are you thinking how are you exactly. feeling what's mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's not going to say anything but he's going to start to resent her impulsiveness when, when they were first started dating it was cute you know it was nice like she was the manic pixie girl and he liked that about her but then he realizes that there are other parts of her that he doesn't like and you kind of hone in on those little things throughout the relationship you know and that's why like them being stuck in the loop makes sense because they never you gotta like she wants Joel to open up more and he wants her to like shut up, you yeah. know? And those are the mean things, but they still love each other, you know? And the test doesn't take that away from them. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like shows them every part of their relationship and all the good and the bad. Because when you break up with someone, you remember the bad part. You remember the things that made you want to leave and keep that in your mind so you can suppress all the good memories so you don't miss this part. But when you're forced to see every splayed and you go from memory to memory, emotion to emotion, jumping back and forth, you're taking on this journey when you realize that like you're trying to erase not even a relationship, someone who became a part of you, mm -hmm. someone who you loved for a long time. You're trying to erase memories. You're trying to erase moments. You're trying to erase emotions. And that's so much deeper. And you can try and get rid of it in your brain, but you're going to always be scratching at that little itch. And once you like get it, and once you see what you've done, you're not going to want to go through with it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and obviously that's what keeps bringing them back to each other. Um, and that's why they're kind of stuck. Um, I yeah. want to know your opinion though. Do you, do you like their romance? Cause I see a lot of arguments of people saying that's completely pointless because it will always end. Um, and a lot of people say that it's like the best relationship ever because it never really stops. I, I don't know. I know that there's a lot of debate over whether this relationship is worth it or not. I think that, I do think that they should have broken up. I don't mm -hmm. think they should have got back together at the end. I can see why they got back together. And, you know, they were like, well, you know, let's see what happens. And, you know, if you feel bored or trapped, you know, just accept that the relationship will stay perfect and that's okay. And in my mind, I can see why that makes sense. But for me personally, I would just need assurances that Joel would change. You know, because yeah. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do what I need, what I need to do so that we can be together if we want to make this work. But if I do not feel that he's really going to take the steps to be more open and talk to me about his feelings and be a, and internalize things less and just, you know, be a bit more impulsive with me as well, then like, I'm not going to go through with it. And to be perfectly honest, if I went through this whole procedure to erase you from memory and then I still find out everything, 
I'm not going to, I'm still going to dip. I'm yeah. still going to go mm-hmm. because it was fun while it lasted. We had a good time. But at the same time, you said some really messed up things about me. And I wasn't even that mean. Like the things that she said about Joel was nothing in comparison to what he said about her. Because she was like, oh, he's sure. just really, he's, you know, he judges me and I drink too much. And he's like really quiet. And he just sits in the corner and he just like stares at me. And I feel like he looks at me like I'm a child. And he feels like I can't take care of a baby even though I want a kid. And then he's like, she's so annoying. She'll never shut up. I just want her to shut up. And it's like that freaking malice. And I'm, if I was, yeah, I was like, that, whoa, like, like one of you sounds like you're just like concerned mm-hmm. about the other person and you know you're a little bit defensive the other person sounds like you actively hate the person that you're with yeah and it's also like the nice guy trope of like i did everything right i was so nice to you like i was like a good boyfriend and then you went out with your friend and you had fun and you know you didn't like you know come home and cuddle with me while i watched anime like why would you do that like why weren't you everything i wanted you to be like why weren't you the perfect girlfriend in my brain it's like you can't you gotta let that go I mean, I, I, so I have to say this just because I've been saying this for a little, a little while now, and I know it would be bad if it actually happened, but I want it so badly. Netflix is obviously currently the king of making like a lot of like teenage rom-com, super dramatic, like TV shows, blah, 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 blah. I want them. Like I legitimately like full wholeheartedly, non-ironically want them to create a short series. And I mean short series. This is one season that's over, okay? I don't mm-hmm. want this drawn out. A short series about the Manic Pig Dream Girl, but from the Dream Girl's perspective, so we can yeah. see her, like, come home at night and, like, she takes off all of her, like, you know, like, makeup and, like, all of her, like, silly, crazy clothes. And, like, you mm-hmm. see how horribly depressed and anxious and desperate she is to, like, be this guy's perfect girl, because like attachment issues that she has with her family or blah, 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 something like that. The fact yeah. that they haven't done that yet and done a deep dive dissection into the Mayak Pixie Dream Girl seems a little bit suspicious. That's right up Netflix's alley. And I feel like it could be done really well. Like it could be one of those shows on Netflix that people actually love and enjoy because it's taking an extremely well-known trope that we kind of laugh at at this point. Like no one says Mayak Pixie Dream Girl and means it in a positive way. It's always at least a little bit like, uh, like, uh, that true. Yeah, it's kind of like a sneering mm-hmm. kind of way of saying that. But and- they spun it and they made it more interesting and they're like this is what a manic pixie, if you want it, a manic pixie dream girl in real life, this is what it would actually I don't know, I just feel like it, it, it's going to happen. Netflix is going to come up with a show that's going to be almost exactly like that within the next few years because it's perfect for their demographic. It just makes sense. And I'm crossing my fingers that when it does come out, it's good. And usually when you see like Manic Pixie Dream Girls, they're they're white women because white women can be like whimsical mm-hmm. and like cute and just like soft and seen as desirable. And then like if a black girl tries to be whimsical, she's trying too hard to be white. Or exactly. if she tries to take ownership of her sexuality, she's into Jezebel. So of course that's to be like some white girl with like short blue hair and like two piercings okay. and she so, listens to like Mother Mother or something. So if it was that, I, I understand because that's what people think of when they think of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. However, if it was a, even a light skin, okay? Mm-hmm. Even a light skin girl, main character and her fashion sense is art ho. Do you remember like the art ho like era before it was whitewashed when it was mm-hmm. like actually our community still? Like on, I feel like art ho is, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, our community's version 
of like what a manic pixie dream girl would dress like. Like those are the styles in like different genres and different. So if it was a like light skin, preferably dark skin, because that'd be absolutely amazing, but Netflix coward. So if it was mm. a light skin girl who had the art her aesthetic, but you bitch, look up 15 minutes on Tumblr and you can find every single outfit that she needs to wear for the entire series. Okay. Right. Like it's not even hard. And guess what? Part of art ho is that it's thrift shop a lot of it it's cheap yeah these don't need to be expensive costumes you could get her entire wardrobe for under like 200 dollars if you're shopping right like i'm just saying that would be amazing i know i'm putting my expectations way too high but netflix has the budget and they have the demographic like stop being cowards and just do it already okay also since um oh you you go ahead i was just thinking about an actress who I definitely think that there might be like TV shows or movies that already like explore what it's like to be the manic dream girl. I just, I guess I would just have to look for them, but like that'd be interesting to like talk about. I'm sure there's probably a show that I've watched before that I'm not thinking about right now, but the concept that you have and the idea you have is very interesting and I think it's really cool. Um, The actress name is Sophia Bryant. She was the yeah. best She's friend. Familiar. Yeah, she was the best friend in I Am Not Okay with This. Um, I haven't she watched is. that yet. Sophia but, um, but yeah, I feel like she has the right personality for it. Um, she's already works with Netflix. So like, you know, she's, you know, it's already like, you know, she's in that realm. She's in that world. Like mm. people love this series. So she's already like, kind of like seen as a, that style of actress, which like, obviously this hypothetical series is that style. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, like she, she has the look for it. She has the, the acting ability for it. She just, I, I don't know. She just, she's there. Definitely. I definitely think that's cool. And um, anyway, sorry like, for that tangent. <laughs> no, it's a good tangent. You talking about um, like talking about like men and picking girls. It makes me kind of think about like how um, she who was it Clementine. Mm-hmm. She had this line at the end of the movie and she said that she is just like an F up girl who's looking for her own peace of mind. You know, she just wants to be with somebody. And I love this movie. Because it has never, like, you don't just dissect it a lot in film. And I think that Charlie Kaufman did a really good job of taking this film and not really drawing from other romance films or anything like that, but truly trying to make a story that is one of a kind and one of its own. It's something that is relatable and something that is kind of universal because people, you know, you go through relationships and you go through heartbreak. And sometimes you get back together and sometimes you shouldn't get back together. You know what I mean? And... I think one show that should try and like try this concept, not exactly like Eternal Sunshine, but something close to like the five years, one show that should use this um, um, kind of, you know, way of narrative storytelling is Insecure. Because I need Um, to know, I need to know what happened before she cheated on Lawrence. Like I need to see how the relationship devolved because we only got the tail end of the relationship. I want to see the beginning to the end. And I need to see that soon because if she really wants to get back together with this man, when he is about to have a baby with someone he's not married to, hmm, hmm, hmm. Why are you keep, let her, like, please, you still need to find someone else can, to date. Can we find a, can we start a petition? Let women leave in these <laughs> movies, in these movies, in these shows. Like, can we have a show where like the relationship is getting bad and the mm-hmm. woman just leaves. Okay, she packs up her shit. She gets out of the toxic relationship mm-hmm. and she starts living her good life away. Like not she leaves, finds herself and then realizes that she's happier with a man. Like she leaves and she's gone. Exactly. She's left. She's not coming back. There's no forwarding address. 
<laughs> she's in a different she's state. She's in a different country. <laughs> Why not? Eat, pray, love. Why not? Yeah. Okay. You, you want to like film in an exotic location. She's left. She's not even in the U.S. anymore. Because the Mindy Project did that too. Where like uh, Mindy Kaling's character was dating this guy, Danny, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the last season, like she's moving on. And she's living her best life. And she's happy. And it's great. And the very last episode, his mother is dying. So of course she the the mother's at the hospital that she works at because Mindy's a doctor yeah. and they they just get together they just get back together on the last episode. Right. It's like why? Sorry, wait a second. Did both of you change over the course of this series? Why did you become an amazing guy? And oh, now you are weird. And now you are worthy of being with someone like Mindy. Because mm. if that happened, I, did I skip a couple of episodes? I, I don't, don't think I did. I don't remember where that happened. That mm. plot point was... Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All in all, I love Girl Sunshine. And re-watching it made me appreciate little parts of it, like, even more. Mm-hmm. Like, Naomi, the girl he was with before, oh, he was yeah. with Clementine, I kind of want to know more about her. Like, a little bit. Like, I kind of do, like... What like, I, what was her deal? I agree, but I feel like, unfortunately that that's something that we're just never gonna get an answer to. Like yeah. I doubt they're gonna make something new about it now. It's been almost twenty years, unless they do it for like the anniversary. And I do think that like Naomi, I feel like this is something that's happened to him before. You know, like when he kept mentioning Naomi with Clementine, you should have mentioned your exes. And if you keep mentioning your exes, that means you've, you're holding on to something in the relationship. Yeah, that's and, a big red flag. Mm-hmm. And him mentioning Naomi while he was dating Clementine kind of like hinted at me on the rewatch that like this has happened before he's dated a woman's impulsive and like kind of like out there and like extroverted and very like quirky and whimsical but he liked the fact that she was this kind of like idea of the perfect girl and didn't see her as a full three-dimensional person with faults and feelings and like I found the quote that you were talking about I found it because um, Halsey used it in a song and that mm. popped up first but like the full quote the full quote um that like you were talking about because I feel like it's like better as a whole um it mm. says I am not a concept too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind don't assign me yeah yeah that definitely makes sense and I feel like Halsey does fit that narrative for like manic pixie dream girl because mm-hmm. Most of her music does like kind of feel like I'm not like other girls. Like we get a babe, you can sing an auto tune without auto tune. Good for you. Anyway, the you. point the point I was waking up is yeah. that the quote like really adds to what you were saying about like I don't know he doesn't want a real girl. Well, mm-hmm. I guess I guess the point of it is that a lot of guys don't want a girl. Yeah, they kind of like this image that you presented, and they want like this doll or this kind of like idea. They, they want, want the concept. Mom. Mm. Mm. yeah but not you know yeah yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right uh, anyways <laughs> that was eternal sunshine of the spotless let's get into our own individual movies i'm interested to hear about your film what okay. was it again so my film is called perfect um a lot of it there's a lot of mystery around it so i'm not going to like spoil anything to be like a shorter um review. i believe mm-hmm. that you can watch it on netflix if not i'm pretty sure it's still on amazon then um also yeah. there are it's came out in the 90s it came out in like 1992 so you can easily just type in perfect blue watch online and you'll find like 37 links on the front page not that i'm mm-hmm. endorsing that i'm just saying that is um 
But anyways, so Perfect Blue follows an unreliable uh, narrator, but it's unreliable in the sense that she's slowly going crazy, not mm. she's purposely lying to us, or not that she's like exaggerating or something Is like that. Is it like Black Swan? A little bit. Okay. I, would, I would say there are definitely some similarities, but like the main... The main uh, synopsis of this film is that um, it follows this girl, um, Mima Kegori, um, Mm -hmm. and she is part of like a really popular J-pop group, like, you know, K-pop, but like Mm -hmm. it's in Japan, so J-pop group. Um, And she's like, she's like the, it's a group of like four, I believe. And she's like the one that people love the most. And the story starts that she is actually performing her last show because she's gotten like big enough and famous enough that she wants to move away from it. She wants to start becoming more of like a serious actor. Um, and, you know, like she just, she feels that like her time is done. And so, you know, the last performance she leaves and she gets this role in kind of what we would call in America, like an NCIS, CSI Miami type of show. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's just like a long running crime show. And they often have like, you know, newer actors and actresses like play a reoccurring character. Oh, a procedural. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. remember the term, but yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's like the first part that she gets. And um, she does so well that like, they keep like expanding her part and they keep giving her like more and more to do. Like her very first episode, she's just in the hospital and she has like two lines, but like they realize like how natural she is at it. So they start developing her character more and the audience are responding to her because like obviously well, like she's country renowned famous. Um, so the audience likes her and she's a good actress. So she keeps getting more and more and it slowly starts turning into a more dark character arc for like um, the, the character that she's portraying and like the character gets abused and the character ends up getting raped. And like, there's a lot of like um, really dark things that happen to the character that um, Mima is playing. And so slowly mm. as she's starting to do this, she is getting lost. And there's a lot of scenes that really join because you, you start to not be able to tell whether she's acting a scene out or if she's living her real life. Yeah. Um, because so a lot of people are mad at her because she's left like, you know, her icon role as like a J-pop star. And um, she also has Stalker who is like, he uploads like all the pictures, he uploads like pictures of her that there's no way that she could possibly get it to this website. And like, it's been going on for like a long time. And like basically every single thing she does, like he's documented, like he knows where she is, he knows what she's doing. um, And he actually pretends to be her. Like in the website, like he pretends that he is her and she just happened to find it. And she thought it was harmless at first because like when she was still a J-pop star, like, you know, he was just doing, like, casual things. But now it's gotten creepy. And, like, the website is saying how much she hates her life because she never should have left J-pop because clearly the person is a big fan and she left. And yeah. so she's reading someone saying that she hates what she's doing. Yeah. And so the fans are starting to get mad at the studio. Are like, how dare you make her do it? She's clearly unhappy. And so uh-huh. you get so many, like, quick jump cuts between her acting, her living Sorry about that, guys. A little bit of a technical issue. And obviously, (laughs) right at the most exciting part. Anyways, so there's a lot of times, like, obviously, it's quick cuts in between, um, like, her doing normal stuff. Because, like, she's still a normal girl. So there's a lot of scenes of her, like, grocery shopping, doing stuff like that. Like, so there's scenes of her just, like, doing normal stuff. There's scenes of her acting. There's scenes of her, like, running away from a stalker. And you don't know which ones are, like, real and which ones are um like part of just like the show that she's in until usually after the scene is done like usually like it'll be a really dramatic scene and then someone will yell like cut and like then you realize like that that wasn't real like she wasn't actually doing that um 
And a lot of times when she's doing something really normal, there'll be like narration in her voice. But then you find out later, because it starts getting darker and darker, that it's not her narration. It's actually her reading what like the stalker is writing about her. So you thought okay. these were like her actual thoughts as she's like, you know, doing mundane things like, you know, traveling through the bus or like buying stuff at the groceries. But then you realize that it's not her thoughts. It's the stalker's thoughts that are mm. writing this. And so um, it's also really short. It's like 82 minutes. So like after it starts and it gets going like 20, 25 minutes in, it's just like a huge like rotating cycle of you don't know which of these scenes are real. You don't know what's actually happening. You don't even know which thoughts are hers anymore and which thoughts mm. are someone else's. Right. Um, and she starts slowly going insane um, because like she can't keep it all in track either because she has so many new obligations and so many people are hating on her, but she also has so many hours at the studio because people love her character and it's doing really well. And mm. she gets off with new stuff and she has to like portray really dark and graphic things in like the show. And she was always like a good girl. Like she was like a, a J-pop star. She never did anything scandalous. Um, and now she has to act out like these dark and serious things. And so, yeah, it's just like a, it's a tailspin of information. And it's so well done and so like, nice and compact that like there's never a dull second like it's just boom 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 and I won't spoil anything that happens um in the future uh because like it is it is a kind of surprising that happened um but yeah it's just really good it's a classic case of like you can't trust the narrator because the narrator can't even trust themselves anymore right yeah how do you think I think that like when you're talking about it that does remind me of like Britney like the free Britney movement Mm -hmm. Um, and how like yeah 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 go ahead go ahead it does remind me of that in like this kind of manufactured innocence that she had when she was first on the scene Mm -hmm. with like baby one more time yeah and oops I did it again but like the whole time like she's an adult like she's a person yeah and people have kind of like looked at her as sort of this kind of idol and it's gotten to the point where she can't even that like she can't even like dictate who she is because she's opened herself up to so many people that the way that she sees herself is through the eyes of the audience that way she can be accepted by those people and then there's that one person who's so fixated on her that it like it kind of warps her perception perception of her yeah um and like obviously like it's almost a little bit scary it's one of those times that you're like how'd they do that because mm. like I said, I'm pretty sure I looked it up. I know it came out in the early 90s. Um, but like, I'm pretty sure it came out in 1990 is when mm. Perfect Blue came out. Wait, it came out, oh, 1997. Okay, so it came out in 1997 before such a thing as a social media influencer really existed, like at all. Like, this is before YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure this is before Facebook because didn't Facebook come out in like 2003, 2004? Yeah. yeah, so it's before Facebook. It's before YouTube, which before, like, it's especially before we knew that people could make money from these things, definitely. And yet they perfectly captured what so many influencers feel like right now. Like, obviously, like, Britney Spears is an extreme example because it is Britney Spears. But, like, you know, just, like, regular, like, I don't know, like, um... I think another good example... Like, uh, for example, like, it's a dumb example, but, like, it's a well-known name. Like You could also say Amanda Blind? Blind? Amanda... Binds. Oh yeah, Amanda yeah, Binds. Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Cause she has the same, the same thing that's going with her that's going on with Britney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was seen as like an it girl for a while. Like she was in a lot of movies and she was like really well known. Mm-hmm. And like, so just the thing, like these influencers 
are like, one, they constantly see exactly what people think of them because that's how you grow with mm. your audience. And so they, it's, you know, it becomes difficult. How do you like separate who you really are from who people think you are when literally in some case, millions of people are telling you every day that they yeah. love you this way. And you know, that's not the full complete you, but that's the part of you that they like. So that's the part of you that you have to be. And also on um, the, um, the parasocial relationship. Like again, before social media was really like a thing, this movie nailed parasocial relationship. These, the mm. stalker and like these fans are mad at Mima for doing something because they don't think that Mima would actually do that. They don't think that like, like I know you better than you know yourself. There's no way that the real Mima, they use that a lot. Like the real Mima would never do. There's no way that you would do such a serious, disgusting TV show. You are an icon. You are a J-pop legend. You are an innocent, sweet little girl. There's no way that this is the real Mima. This is an impersonation. This is something. But like that, you know, that parasocial relationship, the idea that like, just because you see a lot of someone that you're friends, but the person doesn't actually know you at all. Mm -hmm. It's a one-way relationship. Yeah, yeah, like it's almost scary how well this movie nailed it, like 10 years before these were even like things that were being considered. Yeah, it's it sounds like a great movie and I have to watch it at some point. Um, I think that, uh, I think it's like the concepts of like, you know, women having to have this like perfect image Mm -hmm. in media when they are public figures and if you fall short of it in some way then it's you're just attacked because of it and I do want to ask this because like I feel like it's a similar theme in films like that and like you can just like say yes or no I don't need details but does she like does she get hurt in the Um, movie she does get hurt yes okay yeah and that's another problem is that like if you don't if, if you don't fall in line you will be punished and then it devalues like someone violated you and hurt you and it wasn't even your fault. And then suddenly it's on you now. Like you are an object, like you are a material item. And because there's like a dent in you or something like that, it makes you less wanted. Like throw less it away. Yes. It's ruined. Disposable as if like that. Like that, honestly, the movie sounds great. Perfect blue. It sounds like a great movie. It doesn't sound like, it's not like what the movies where you're like, it's so good. But like, I wouldn't watch it again because, oh my gosh, wow. Oh yeah, my, be- my heart is pumping throughout the entire movie. I've watched it probably like seven or eight times. There's um, there's a scene that I won't refer to it by the name, but like if I, mm-hmm. in the, like the anime community, if I say the blank scene, everyone knows mm-hmm. exactly what I'm talking about. I don't even yeah. have to say the name of the movie. Everyone knows exactly what scene and everyone's heart starts. Right, 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 right. Did you have anything else you want to add about um, the film? I I don't think so. Um, it's an amazing film. Go watch it if you get a chance. Like I said, it's only 82 minutes, so it's a really short film. It's not like long or drawn out. Day. Um, have fun and be prepared. It is a it is like I said, a little bit of a scarier, not like purposely, like it's not trying to scare you, but it's a, it's right. scary because it's realistic type thing. Mm-hmm. We love that. We love to see it. That's awesome. I'm glad you told us about that movie. And now it is time for me to talk about my film, yeah. which is Memento, which is a Christopher Nolan film. It's directed by him. The screenplay is by him. It is based off of a short story that his brother wrote. And it's kind of like this psychological thriller in a way. And it is, um, the film is about this guy. And the easiest way to describe the film is that it's about a man who is seeking revenge on his wife after she was assaulted and murdered in their home in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And that's the simplest explanation for Memento. But the movie starts at the end. 
and then it begins at the beginning. And so a lot of people talk about how memento is told backward. And you can say that it's told backwards, but I think that it's also like told through the kind of mindset of the protagonist. And the movie follows this guy, um, the characters, the actor is Guy Pierce. And I didn't realize this when I was first um, watching the film, but I did like some research and I realized that Brad Pitt was supposed to play the main character. And I feel like that would have been interesting, but also Memento is one of those films where like, you don't, it's better to not have a recognizable face. Yeah. Not that Guy Pierce isn't a great actor. He is good, but like everyone knows who Brad Pitt is. And if Brad Pitt was in the movie, I feel like people would want to see it simply because he's in it. It's like a box office draw. Mm-hmm. But with Guy Pierce in the film, he he's a lot more easier to be seen as just like an everyman. Like he's one of those actors who fits better into the character of like this is a normal guy. Like this is like there's Brad Pitt. You watch a movie like Brad Pitt's playing a character, but mm-hmm. Guy Pierce, he is this character. He's Leonard. Like Leonard Shelby is this guy who used to be an insurance investigator, and you know he used to live a normal life, but he has kind of amnesia. He has like this condition where he cannot keep sh- recent memory. He has no short term memory. He knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He knows the same his social security number, but he cannot remember things like when they just happen. And the only reason why he can remember that he has this condition is because he has, he's conditioned himself to do it. He has tried to train himself to keep certain memory through repetition to stay sharp. And he also has tattoos all over his body and he keeps notes and he has like Polaroid pictures where he writes people's names or like little notes about them and phone numbers. That way he can always kind of keep a kind of like, you know, plan in his head. And Leonard is looking for this guy, John G. John G is the person who assaulted and, and killed his wife. So he is trying to exact revenge. And he's in this town. He's looking for John G. He's trying to put the clues together. And you're watching the movie. And I feel like there are so many parts in the film where like you can clearly see where he remembers things and where he forgets things. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where he is trying to chase after this guy who is not John G, just a random guy he's chasing after. And he gets to the dude's apartment before that before he gets there. And he's waiting in the bathroom to hit him over the head. And he's holding this bottle. And he sits back and he looks at the bottle. He's like, I'm not drunk. Because he looks at the bottle and he's like, this is not full, but I'm holding it, but I don't feel drunk. So why do I have this? And then he looks in the bathroom he thinks this is his bathroom. He's supposed to be here. And he takes off his clothes and he takes a shower because before he's chasing this guy and he's trying to get the one up on him and like hit him over the head. But now his mind's gone blank and he doesn't remember what he was doing. So he takes a shower because that's a normal thing you do. You're in the bathroom and yeah. like it's been a long day. You're gonna take a shower. And then the dude comes home opens the shower, sees the dude that he was chasing in the shower. So of course, what does he do? He fights him butt naked and he rustles him to the ground. He duct tapes his mouth. He throws him in the closet and then he puts his clothes back on it. He lies on the bed. He calls his friend Teddy to like fix the situation because he doesn't know what to do. Teddy gets there. Teddy's like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. He's like, you called me. He's like, mm-hmm. Teddy goes to the closet. There's a person in there. Why is there a person in there? I don't remember. And it's these back and forth things with the, sh- with the movie. And Leonard is this guy who thinks highly of himself. He's arrogant. He's confident. He believes that this conditioning in him constantly writing down notes, keeping tattoos, will keep him focused on his task, which is finding John G. And honestly, there's a lot of story. There's a lot of plot to the film. And I don't really need to go into 
complete detail, but essentially what happens is that whenever Leonard goes into a new town, he tells people about this person, Sammy Jenkins. Sammy Jenkins is someone who went through an accident and he lost his memory as well. But when, when Leonard was an insurance investigator, his job is to basically figure out if people are lying or not, because he can read people. He can tell if people are lying or not. He's like, he's an expert at reading people and all that stuff. And when he went to go see um, Sammy Jenkins, he was like an adult man. He's like 60. He's pretty old. He has glasses and, you know, he has a wife. Um, He looks him in the eyes when he greets him at the door and it's like a faint thing of recognition. And it's like, oh, so he recognizes him. So if he can't keep short-term memories, then he's faking him. He's conning him, yeah. right? The wife doesn't know what's going on with Sammy. Sammy watches commercials because they're short, they're easy, no plot. But if he watches something for too long, he changes the channel and he's confused. And Sammy just can't stay focused. The one thing he can do is give his wife insulin because his wife is a diabetic. And he can do that on the dot. His wife will look at him and be like, Sammy, it's time for my shot. And he could give her insulin without even blinking, no worries, doesn't even stress about it. And it's easy and it's simple. And you would think if he can do that, then he should be able to pick up on new memories. So they test Sammy and they have him pick up certain blocks. And in the room that they're observing him and having him do the test, when he's picking up the blocks, he picks up the same blocks each time. And three of the blocks, there are six of them, different shapes. Three of them are electrocuted. And each time he picks up the same block each time. So you're like, well, what's going on with Sammy? Like, what's this and you know leonard he just chalks it up to being mental but their insurance doesn't cover mental health so they don't get help and the sammy's wife goes to visit leonard and it's just like look what's going on with him is he all right is he okay like what is this and um leonard is like you know he should be able to pick he should be able to understand and then the wife understands so what does the wife do she makes sammy give her her insulin shot and he does it without fail Mm -hmm. 15 minutes go by Sammy, set for my shot. He does it again on her hip without fail. 15 minutes go past again. Sammy, set for my shot. He does it in her thigh once again without fail. She goes into a coma. She does not recover. Sammy ends up in a nursing home. And you're listening to this. And this is like a story that Leonard tells himself and tells other people because he doesn't want to be like Sammy. He's not like Sammy. He's going to learn things. He's going to remember things with repetition. He's going to hold it in his mind and remember. But he doesn't. Because memories are fallible and so are notes. And I'm not going to go through the entire plot of the film. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Leonard is Sammy. Leonard is Sammy. Like, mm-hmm. that's it, you know? And I thought that at the beginning of the movie, but then I was like, no, probably not. But he is because he goes from town to town for John and he has his friend, Teddy. Who is Teddy? Teddy, Teddy's real name is John Gamble, but he's a cop who is on the case for what happened to Leonard and his wife when their house got broken into. And when you're watching the film near the end, Teddy gets frustrated and he gets annoyed. He's like, you're telling yourself a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. Like your house got broken into and your wife didn't die. She survived. You keep telling yourself that your wife is dead, but she survived the night that happened. And then your condition got worse and worse. Your wife was a diabetic. You put her in the coma, but you don't want to believe that. So you've created this entire concoction, this entire story to gain revenge. So if you'd be happy, you keep letting yourself to be happy. And you killed John G already. You found the guy, you killed him. But you told yourself that you didn't. And there's this one flashing scene where you see him lying on the bed with the tattoos on his body. Mm-hmm. And there's a tattoo that says, John G assaulted and murdered my wife. And then there's one tattoo right here on his chest that says, I did it. 
I get it. And his wife is laying by him side. And so obviously at some point he did do it. But when he's like, he's convincing himself in his brain, no, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. Because he doesn't want to come to terms with the fact that he did this to his wife, that he made a mistake. So the memory changes to him alone in the bed and his wife isn't there because his wife is dead in his mind. And he keeps going on with this kind of, he goes into this monologue, you know, and he's trying to escape these feelings of guilt for what happened to his wife and he can't do it. So he wants to play this revenge care. He wants to seek vengeance on his wife. He wants to do something admirable and noble, something that is chivalrous, but it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. And then he ends up killing Teddy, who was the guy who had his back, who was helping him along the way, who was feeding him information, who was keeping him from getting caught because it's also hinted out in the film that they have done this many times and that they've been killing John. So at some point he's always gonna have to get caught, you know, and with Teddy by his side being a cop, that helps him, that helps protect him. You know what I mean? And obviously Teddy was probably using him for his own personal gain to like mm-hmm. solve crimes and stuff like that. And when there's a scene in the where he's looking through the police file of the case and he's like, where are these missing pages? And then Teddy tells him, you ripped those pages out. You took out those pages because they don't fulfill your story. They don't fulfill the narrative that you've created. And you're just going along with this crazy story in your brain because you feel like this is what you need to do This need to fix it. And he kills Teddy in the beginning of the film. But as you're watching it, you're going through it, you realize that this guy thinks that he can rely on notes and his tattoos to tell the story. But memory is fallible. Yeah. His memory falters and he forgets things. If somebody slams the door, he's going to forget what he was doing in that exact moment. Like each time something fickle and his brain goes completely blank. So for you to rely on these tattoos and these notes that you've left for your that create this version of the story in your mind that you could fall through, it's not even the truth. Because you don't want to face the truth. You're not really looking for your answers. You're trying to find the answers that make you feel better. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> that, sorry, it was just a lot of information taken because I unfortunately haven't watched this film. I've heard of it a lot I need to I just haven't gotten around to watching yeah if you watch it you will be a bit lost too because essentially like Memento is a very good movie but there is a plot within the movie that like is kind of it doesn't really like it's not really important but it's there and so that's part of the film like there's this girl Natalie that he's talking to and that tricks him into killing Teddy who's a cop who is going after her boyfriend, John G, who fits that, like James, John or James, James, you know, and he he kills her boyfriend, takes his clothes and the car. And because he has short-term memory, he doesn't remember killing her boyfriend. And she knows that he's gone and he's dead. So she's obviously trying to set him up to like, you know, be taken out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot. All right, all right. Well, I will give on to watching it soon then, especially since you gave it such like a, such high praise <laughs> it's on it's free on youtube i'm pretty sure you can find the full movie it's on like the film rise channel which has like all the kitchen nightmare episodes so mm-hmm. you could definitely watch it there yeah do you have any questions for me in regards to memento no i honestly just think i need to watch it <laughs> yeah yeah i think a lot of people kind of like nitpicked at it because um you know there are some things that are faltered in the movie when it comes to like you know amnesia like the neurological part of it and everything like that and like I kind of don't like I don't really think about like the memory part of it as much I even focus more on like the person and the character and Leonard just seems like a kind of arrogant guy you know like 
someone who lived a pretty standard boring life mm-hmm. and now he can kind of twist his brain into him being this man who's seeking vengeance for his wife like he's this knight in shining armor who's trying to battle this terrible condition that's holding him back and it's like this quest of sorts but the quest doesn't have a truly pure motive behind it it's selfish yeah it's absolutely selfish because he doesn't want to come to terms with the fact that he has basically like he put his wife in a coma he killed his wife he doesn't want to come to terms with fact the fact like his wife survived and he couldn't defend her and save her and his memory faltered and failed him again and he hurt his wife so his wife got hurt twice and he couldn't do anything about it so now he's going on this whole charade of sorts to escape his dread yeah i mean it definitely sounds like very in-depth and very interesting um Mm -hmm. so i will actually watch it there was a lot more that i didn't cover with the film but upon re-watching it i realized now that like a lot of the movies we picked i'm just getting mad at these because they're irritating they're so irritating like y'all could literally just shut up and face the consequences of your actions. But we all just want to be extra and True. do all this other stuff. And y'all can't just be real with yourselves. We really don't like blaming ourselves for problems. Oh my gosh. No one's take accountability for their actions. You know, like Amy could have just got up and married someone else. Like she she True. really could mm-hmm. be with anybody else but Ben Affleck. And yet you want to stick around with him because he's easy and he's malleable. And you could have been with someone who's on your level, but that means you would be competing with somebody and you wouldn't be in control. And Leonard is just like, it's just like the only person who isn't at fault in any of the, the movies we talked about is Mina. And Mina deserves better. True, true. She's, she's just <laughs> trying to live her life. She's just trying to get her bag, get her mm-hmm. name out there, and boom. Yeah. Get paid for it. <laughs> another thing about Gone Girl, it made me feel bad for Ben Affleck, and I don't agree. Like, how dare you make me feel bad for this man? Because he was too stupid to notice that, like, his wife is possibly gone. He's just... Like, it's always the husband. People always assume the husband first. You should know this. Imagine being this dumb. Imagine. The problem is that we don't have to. We we can look in our real world and see mm-hmm. real evidence of people being this dumb. Yeah. I And I feel bad for his sister, too. Because she was in the kitchen. And she saw him usher the girl out the door. Mm-hmm. She was like, you idiot you absolute idiot i'm like yeah go in on him yeah she was like she was like before i was scared for you now Mm -hmm. i'm petrified okay Mm -hmm. like you made this like a million times worse a thousand times worse i was completely convinced that that girl was gonna get picked up by the cops and then it was over for him it was a wrap it was done it was done like throw lock away the key and also when amy came home in that blood in that dress i was like oh my god you've got to be kidding me You've got to she be She really me. went for the dramatics. Also, the fact that she still had the blood, like, mm. on her when mm-hmm. she was, like, testifying. Not testifying, but, um, like, when all the FBI agents were, like, well, she was being questioned? Her. Yeah, when she was questioned. Like, she was wearing, like, the gown. But, like, mm. you could still see, like, her neck and the blood was still on her neck. I was like, this, this, this person has been home, like, saved for at least six hours and nobody bothered to give her a shower. She doesn't want to. She wants the blood there so people, like, remember her bravery. It's like a badge of honor. And also, she is truly just lying to a room of FBI detectives. How is it that trailer trash could see through her lie? But the F... Never mind. Let me shut up. Let me stop. Let me shut up. Also, otherwise we'll just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. It does make sense to pin on Desi. Like, if it wasn't Nick, it would have been... If Nick wasn't so stupid, he just shut up. 
they would have turned their attention to Desi because he was there at one of the events mm-hmm. when they were looking for her and he was yep. there. And killers oftentimes go back to the scene of the crime to kind of marvel in like their actions. Absolutely. So if he just kept his mouth shut and was stupid, they would have seen it. They would have seen it was Desi, you know? Also, if he could pretend it, no, no, sorry, not pretend it. If he could have actually cared about his wife for a mm-hmm. little bit, I struggle to believe that Nick Dunn was ever actually truly upset that his like that his wife was. He was just upset that was happening to him. Yeah, he was just upset that like there was so much drama and press coverage and like just like the stress of like constantly being interrogated and all of that is like a lot and like having to be in front of people and like give speeches. That's a lot. But you cannot convince me that he was ever concerned for the fact that his wife was because if you if you were concerned about your wife being missing with people nitpicking at you you wouldn't have said i'm so sick and tired of people of women judging and questioning me instead he would have said i wish my wife were home i miss her i want her here i wish people stopped looking at me and look at amy and look at the facts of the case see and that's what you have done i think that's kind of what the movie wants us to think because if they Mm -hmm. had wanted us to think that he was actually sad that she was gone you know the scene. There would have been a classic scene of him like alone in their bedroom and he would have just like sat down and started sobbing. Mm. Like, oh, the, the, sh- the white male is so stressed and so heartbroken over his mm-hmm. wife that we're allowing a man to cry on camera. This is I mean, heart-wrenching. This is yeah. powerful. Because um, that would have put us as the audience on his side. Mm-hmm. But that never yeah. happened. That, that never happened. And without that scene, you can't convince me that he actually ever cared that his wife was. Because he was fully ready to leave her. Like, yeah. even before the interview they were going to do, like, he was like, I don't want to leave you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be horrible for their child, too. Because imagine raising a kid with a man that you forced to be with you, who doesn't actually want to be with you. It doesn't love you, truly. And this kid who's going to have to measure up to these impossible expectations that you as a child couldn't measure up to because your parents created a character based off of you that succeeded when you failed. And now you have a mom who has those unresolved issues who went to the point of faking her own death and now has a child she will bend and snap into the mold that she was a kid to grow up in and if that child does not do it she will lash out and she will be manipulative and she will be a terrible mother and the father who doesn't stand up to the dog the, the mom the father who will not stand up for his child who will not speak up because he is scared of the mother will allow that child to be treated that way and when is the child going to find out the truth about everything oh my gosh if that kid finds when out the is truth, the child gonna know the kid will never know because the dad doesn't want the kid to hate their mother even though the kid probably already will and, you know, if they are ever going, if they do make a Gone Girl 2, if they make a second film, they can't call it like Gone Girl 2. They got to call it something else. But if they make a sequel to that film, just focus on the family dynamic, I'll watch it. I would be terrified. I would be, I would be stressed looking at the movie cover. Yeah, I would love to see it. And I, who is it? I think the person I want to play the daughter will be that girl from Ozark, Julie Garner. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I want her to play the daughter. I want her to play the daughter, or it has to be the girl from Sex Education. He plays Maeve. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be one of those two girls. And if she's older, if she's older and grown up, it has to be Samara Weave, homegirl oh. from Ready or Not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She perfectly fits, like, kind of like upper middle class. My mom is rude. My dad's kind of cool. And I'm like, you know, I, you know, like that cool girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they should definitely like make a sequel to Gone Girl 
just name it something different and from the perspective of the daughter yeah yeah and and if they do make a sequel to the movie after this podcast i need my money yeah i need my check (laughs) y'all gotta run me my check also if netflix takes any of the ideas that we brought up for it run me my check especially if you cast the actresses that we best believe i'm gonna be a good morning america in my (laughs) sunday best all right Mm, because netflix i gotta work for you exactly You already know what it is. Show out a few coins my way, please. Exactly. Exactly. Get to, get that pen scrawling on some paper. <laughs> All right. It's, it's spelled M-A-N-I. <laughs> no O, no C. K-A. Yeah. Last name D-U-L-L. Like that. <laughs> Just like that. And we know you're listening. <laughs> we know you're listening. We see. We had some good ideas. No, we Watch, have great in, like, in like five years, not five years, in like two years, we're going to see a bunch of movies coming out and we're going to be like, wait a second. Isn't that exactly what we were talking about mm-hmm. in like late 2021? Mm-hmm. Isn't that literally like plot point for plot point? Exactly what we should said should happen. In- mm. I don't know. Okay, we see you. Yeah, that's all I have to say. So that's all we got to say. We can move on to I'll Pass. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I'll pass this a segment where we talk about TV shows and movies and things coming out that we are not going to be taking part in. And Glenn, do you have anything for this week? Uh, yes, I have two. Th- um, both mm-hmm. of them. Okay, actually not both of them. So the first one is this movie coming out called Bulletproof. I believe it comes out in late October, probably. Oh yeah, October 29th. Um, so it's a documentary and it's about the response of American schools to gun violence. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm going to pass on it just because I don't think, so as someone who obviously went to in America and lived through like a majority of the things that American schools did in response to gun violence, Mm -hmm. I really don't think it would be good for me to watch a documentary about an experience I lived. I really don't think that's things that people really do. I'm not sure if I'll get anything out of it. I think it will just bring up old memories that I've clearly repressed. Um, However, I do hope that the movie is well done. And I do hope that it does shed light um, on a serious subject that a lot of people try to ignore or try to pretend that doesn't exist. I hope it sparks important conversations that lead to change in the future. I just don't think that I will be watching. I completely agree. I I understand that film and media and art has to reflect the times in which Mm -hmm. we live in. But if I had to watch another documentary about like thoughts and prayers, this isn't enough to stop. And like, we need more effective, like, I know, we know. We are well aware. We are, I do not need to watch this documentary to understand what gun control is and why it is important to this country. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one who needs to convince. Yeah. I'm not the one who needs to convince. We're the ones that are on your side. I'm definitely on your side. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There there are some higher ups Mm -hmm. that, that need the change of heart here. Not us. Yeah. Us living here, we know. We went through. Yes, yes. Do you have anything else that you are... I have one that makes me... Mm. So it's a movie called No Means No. Comes out in early November. Yeah. And I will read the little synopsis that I have of it right here. It says, No Means No is a cross-genre, action-packed, teenage musical love a courtroom drama that's Ew. more like the thrill of a roller coaster ride as each twist and turn begins to unravel to reach a conclusion that calls out for justice. Now, here's the thing 
I who's, love who's the director? Um, it's directed by uh uh Verma, Extra Verma, Vikash Verma. I don't know how to pronounce this. Okay, so is it the movie I'm looking at? It's like it's uh oh Vikash Verma. Okay, so I am looking at the right movie. Okay. Yes. The one the movie I'm looking at says an East Indian man falls in love after traveling to Poland to compete in a skiing championship. It's the same one or is it a different one? Maybe maybe there's another movie that says the same thing. Um, oh, no, no, no. yeah, you're right. Okay, you're so right, the, you're this right. one, I went to IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the same synopsis that I just read to you. That uh-huh. is the director. He's the director and the writer. Um, but that's all the infants giving me about. Right, okay, yeah. Keep going. But yeah, anyway, so the point is, so I love a courtroom scene, obviously. And I enjoy music. I just... Especially with the term no means no, it gives me a very, you know, that's a very clear, that's a clear reference. There's, there's something directly that's saying that this court case will be about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am scared about a musical about such a serious topic, especially when the terms action packed, roller coaster ride, twist and turn are also used. Yeah. It makes it seem like a very second season of 13 Reasons Why. It's giving me that. But throw a musical. Like, yeah. I, it just, just reading the synopsis made it sound wrong. Especially teenage musical loves. Not everything needs a musical. Not, no, not, every, mm. not everything needs to be a musical. Some of y'all don't need to sing. Some of y'all need to shut up. Yeah. So, <laughs> some of you don't need, need a song to move along the plot. Just write the plot and make it go. Some know? of y'all actually just needs to listen, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so like I said, it just it shoots off a lot of red flags right away. So yeah. Um, how about you? Okay, so I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but I'm really excited for Session to come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. cannot wait for Kendall to absolutely decimate his family's name. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. I'm prepared. I'm ready for it. I absolutely love it. 100 percent Like all these people are horrible. All these people are terrible. And, you know, if if they all burn, then they burn. And I hope that Kendall burns too. I know that there are people who like Kendall and, like, he is, like, their favorite character. My favorite character is Siobhan because she is bad. She should be in charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She should run the family business or whatever it is. But, um, you know, feminism. You know what I mean? She got to yeah. be... Girl boss. Girl boss teams. Girl boss, you're at the top. <laughs> girl boss, you're at the top, girl. That's, that's, that's it. But the first thing I'm going to pass on is uh, Dave Chappelle's new comedy special. Oh, my God. I, I <laughs> knew when he signed that deal with Netflix that we were just entering each special. Brings us into a new level of hell. And okay, first, and, go on. let me ask you just really quick off the bat. Do you, have you in the past enjoyed Dave Chappelle's show? Like, you're, are you someone who, like, enjoys, like, you know, like, his humor, his, like, personality? Like, are you someone who's, like, ever, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I loved the Chappelle show growing up. And okay. I only consumed that kind of comedy when I was younger. Like, I only watched that kind of shows. Like, Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, Cedric the Entertainer, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart. Um, uh, who else? Monique, Leslie Jones. You know, those kind of people... Who else was it? It's Eddie Murphy. And there was also, I forget his name, but I know he was in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. And he had his own show. He had his own show. And I forget his show. His name is right there. And also um, Chris Tucker. 
like that kind of comedy was a comedy that I grew up with and I loved as a child. And I feel like we all need to understand that I'm like, there's no excuse. There's no excuse as to not understand what the world is like, what, like being trans is not new. It's not mm-hmm. different. It's something that's newly introduced into mainstream. It's been going on for a long time. And, you know, even though people are just now beginning to understand gender identity and the different kinds of gender identity that there are, besides being a man and a woman, I understand that under learning new things that is different from what you knew before can be hard and you don't want to stray from that and people are stubborn and oftentimes black people are stubborn and you know you might want to be stuck in your way but at a certain point you either gotta be you either gotta stay there or you're gonna change and I feel like what people need to understand is that I know a lot of people are like watch the special watch the jokes watch the whole thing I did and there are some good jokes he made some good points you know there was a point he made where like white gay oftentimes use the oppression of being gay to erase the fact that they're white and that's mm-hmm. true and you could go deeper into that and also explore how white gays oftentimes ignore queer black people and people of color within the spaces that they have created and they originated and that they founded upon the hard work and you were taking advantage of those and you were diminishing the achievements of people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera that brought you to the point that you are right now. You could go deeper into that, but you stop there and you give us the surface of a baseline that brings up your point that being transgender is a white trend, which doesn't make sense, which isn't true because life expectancy for black trans women is so low. It's not 35. I think it's something different. I'd have to look it up. But every single year, at the end of the year, there's a full list of black trans women that have been reported to be killed and murdered. And that's not even the full list because some people are even reported murdered and some people are dead named and some people are even mentioned in the newspapers. And it's not like RuPaul has ended homophobia. It's not that. And people seem to think, and now Netflix is spending over backwards trying to defend Dave Chappelle and his terrible antics. And if you want to have your turf, you can have your turf, all right? If you want to have your ideas, if you want to think that way, whatever. But what you need to understand is that there are people in your life who hear what you're saying and see what you're saying. And I don't care that Dave Chappelle's a trans friend. I don't know them. I don't care. There are everyday people who are watching the special and being like, Dave Chappelle's telling the truth. People are offended by everything. You can't make jokes about something. You can make jokes, but you cannot make these jokes at the expense of other people's livelihoods that are already marginalized enough without you getting on a stage where you're paying millions of dollars to talk down to and rhetoric that causes them violence every single day just by them existing. And if you want to watch that special, you can. But what the one thing you will need to understand is that there are people in your life who do not trust you or talk to you or like see you as someone that they can come to in their time of need. And you may think that's whatever. I don't know anybody like that. You may not know anyone like that or nobody wants to tell you about their own gender identity because they do not feel safe around you. So if y'all want to have your special, you can. That's fine. Whatever. It just, it just says, it says a lot about you. It says, mm-hmm. it says some things about you. The, the very best thing that I could say about you, like the minimal thing that I could say about you is that at the very least, you just actively appreciate entertainment more than other people. Like, yeah, because like not everyone who watches a special is like a raging transphobe and homophobe and blah, right. blah, blah, all that. But like the lowest that you can kind of get that statement down is at the very least, like you are going to watch this special because you enjoy this type of entertainment 
And since it doesn't, like some of the jokes don't affect you and don't affect your livelihood and how you operate in your daily life, then it's okay. You really can't get any less worse than that. That's about like the, you know, you know, that's the cutoff. And one other thing is that like, the special isn't even good. That's the thing that really sucks. People are defending and saying they should watch the whole special. The special does not hold up to other specials that he's done or other jokes or his comedy. And it just seems like he's given this platform to just say things. And like, there are things that Dave Chappelle says that are factual and are right. And there are times where his platform is to the advantage of other people. But if you can talk about Black issues and you cannot bring Black pe- black queer people into your issues, then you are half-assing your activism. You know, like Black Lives Matter is an organization founded by three Black women and two of them are queer. So if you automatically do not consider their own livelihoods within your means of activism and what it means to be Black in America, then you are just dismissing the contributions they have done to help your life, to benefit you. Because if you're only down to protect people who look like you and act like you and live the same life as you, then it's not really activism. It's self-preservation at that point, Mm -hmm. you know? I, you know, I just, I know that he's going to have another special and maybe they'll give him a movie and all this other stuff. And like, I'm just tired of people. I'm tired of the discourse. There's, there's no more discourse that needs to be said. There's no more discourse that needs to be had. We can just show people respect and kindness and compassion and empathy and just do that. You know, you may not understand certain people's lives or their lifestyle, but that does not mean that you have to like, you know, diminish them and treat them like they're exactly they're just out there living their lives literally not even interacting not even worried about you not concerning you not even trying to like do anything with you they are just trying to just you know we're all just trying to make it through the day okay they're they're just trying to buy their groceries and get back home in time to start dinner that's all that is going on here if y'all could just leave people alone we would just be fine but yeah and the other thing i'm gonna pass on i guess i have two things and I'm going to add something lighter in before I go to my other thing. Okay. The other thing I'm going to pass on is Insecure trying to act like Issa and Lawrence are going to get back together. And that's going to work. Okay. Are we not mm-hmm. done? <laughs> are we not done with that story? Like, there was a full season without him. And I didn't miss him. Like, I like Jay Ellis. He's a great actor. But, like, we don't need him. Anymore. You know what I mean? Like, she's she doesn't need to be with him. If we're not exploring the relationship and how, like, everything went wrong, like, I want to know all the bad things. I want to know the good things. I'm in college, you know, all the late nights, the pillow talks, Mm -hmm, and, like, the little mm -hmm. things that he did to irritate you, and how maybe he, like, drank all the milk and then left an empty carton in the fridge, and that was the (laughs) one thing that started to, like, crack. But, like, if we don't get, like, a play-by-play of what went on in the relationship, in the relationship... I don't want it. And also Molly needs to grow up. Molly needs to, she needs, she is playing the character of the black woman who's never satisfied and like always wants certain things. Like she went around sleeping with her childhood friend who was in a full relationship. You were a dog. You were a dog and you need to stop. And you didn't want to be with that one guy because he was bisexual and you were scared by that. You were scared by that. You need to, you need to grow up. I don't know what's going on with you right now, but you need to stop this. And you it's need to irritating. figure it out. And when Molly and Issa stopped being friends, yes. And Molly and Issa stopped being friends. That made sense. Mm-hmm, that made yeah. sense because Mo- Issa was homeless, living with the boy that she cheated on her boyfriend with. Why couldn't she live with Molly? She's rich. She's rich. You couldn't help her out with a, like a hotel or something? Like that's right. your best friend. 
if your friendship does not include you guys doing like wonderful things for each other without any concern of being paid back, what kind of friendship do y'all have? Exactly. It's just, have you watched Insecure? Oh, you have. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm just starting my rewatch now and I'm just getting really annoyed by the little <laughs> thing. I'm getting really annoyed. And also Natasha Rockwell is so funny. Like, why is it that the side characters are more interesting than the main characters? Because that's always what happens. That's Gosh. always what happens. Natasha Rockwell is so funny. And her, like, Kelly needs to have her own episode. She needs to have her own episode. Because every single episode, we're talking about Issa and how she's broke and how she hates her job. And Molly and how she can't find a man, even though she's not satisfied with any man. And how she hates her job. And you got one person having a baby. And you got another one living. I want to know about Kelly. What's going on with Kelly? What's up with her? Like, what is she up to? What does she What's do on a day to day? Yes. What is her life? Like, is she someone that like wakes up at noon and just starts her day with like a Red Bull like I do? Or like, do it. What's going honestly. on? Please. Give me something I can relate know. to you. <laughs> please go some background. And also please introduce Issa's brother more, who's like the only gay character in the show, but has had 10 lines in all the seasons. Mm. Like collectively. Like you just can't have a brother. You can't have a gay brother and just be like, that's it. He's here. It's like, he's here and what? And What's what? he doing? The show's His called li- Insecure, but... His life is interesting, too. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's a fun life to follow. Yeah. I would like to know more about him. Pretty please. Thank you very much. Yeah. But um, I, the last thing I want to talk about is Stagecoach Mary, who is a real-life figure in history. Uh, Stagecoach Mary was known as uh, Black Mary or Mary Field. She was the first African-American female star root mail carrier in the U.S., and uh, she would like carry mail um, and she wasn't like working for the U.S. post office, but obviously it was kind of underground railroad kind mm-hmm. of thing. And her contribution is documented in history and, you know, born a slave in Tennessee and she was emancipated. She found work. And one thing, the reason why I want to talk about her is because Zazie Beat has been cast to play her in a new film for Netflix, The Harder They And Zazie Beetz is a German-American actress. She's German-American. She's light-skinned. Stagecoach Mary, Black Mary, Mary Fields, was born a slave. She is Black. It's simply that. So I need to know who I need to talk about this casting because it makes no sense why you would cast someone who is biracial to play a slave unless it is clearly stated in the history of black mary mary fields that her father is white then that makes sense but it's not the Mm -hmm. case this is a person in real history and you're playing somebody who does not look like her playing her not only is she dark-skinned but she's not slender and thin and fit she is stocky and she is bulky and she is tall. This woman had a terrible, like a treacherous job carrying mail. And I know the movie probably won't follow exactly like her story or whatever. Yeah. It's a fictional mm-hmm. historical drama. It's not going to be to the T of her life, but the the actress should look like the person she is portraying when it is a real life person in history. This is different from when, um, this is different from when Haley, Haley Bailey, Haley, yeah, it's Haley Bailey plays Little Mermaid. Because the Little Mermaid is a fictional character who could be adapted into many different um, histories and different cultures. And like the Cinderella story is, you know, told differently through different cultures. And obviously, if you're talking about the Cinderella story in Africa, she's not going to be white, you know. So Ariel can be Black. 
That's a fictional character. This is a real life character. This is a historical character. This is a person with descendants. And you have somebody who is biracial playing her. And there's something against Sassy because she's a great actor. She's amazing in Deadpool. She's amazing mm-hmm. in Atlanta. She's amazing in The Joker. She is amazing. She's phenomenal. She deserves the roles that she gets, but she shouldn't have accepted this role. And that's another thing is that actors know the characters that they're playing. Who was it? Zara Shahidi played a character who was Jamaican born and she is biracial. Baby girl, Jamaican born to two Jamaican parents. What? What? What is it? What is it? What is it that I'm missing? You cannot- Was not making sense yet. You cannot have women that have European ancestry within them playing characters of oppression who have parents who look nothing like their colonizers. You know, these are good actresses. They are great. These are great actresses and they deserve roles. But one thing people need to understand is that Zazie Beats will always be able to find a different role. And so will Yara and so will Amanda and so will Zendaya. They will be able to find roles because Hollywood loves them and mm-hmm. supports them and lifts them up. But there are plenty of other people. There are plenty of other actresses who could have fit that role better for stage coach Mary. Because I'm trying, let me slow down. Let me slow down and not get too angry right now because I'm heated. I'm heated. And, you know, like there is an actress, Dominique Fishback. She was in Judas and the Black Messiah. And she was also in another movie with Eddie Murphy. It was a Netflix film. And she could have easily played the role of stagecoach Mary. There are plenty of actresses that better fit these roles. But instead, these casting directors are casting people that are prettier or have been in bigger named film or look a certain way that is more desirable and more palatable for white audience. And it's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid and it's stupid. And it's irritated and it's stupid. And I honestly don't know what else to say, but y'all need to stop playing with you. So I'm going to pass on this film, even though it's like Regina King is in it. And I think um, Lakeith Stanfield is in it as well. And as much as I would like to see the movie, if you're not going to prioritize having black women telling their stories, it's 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 no, I don't want it. And there we have it. Yeah, like this is just colorism, and Netflix does this all the time. They constantly cast like light-skinned black girls to be in the TV shows, in your films, in your movies. And the only Netflix original show that has a woman of who is of color, like of color, is Sex Education. And you have two, well, one. One woman and one person who's non-binary. But it's not hard. Like, audiences want to see people who look like them. And, you know, I'm not saying that, like, Zazie should leave the film now. But, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, act- actors, you're not stupid. Actors aren't stupid. You know what it is. You know this industry. And I understand it can be hard to find certain roles. And it can be tough. And there are certain actors who have talked about how it feels like they're at war to be cast in things because everyone's fighting for the same part. And if you know as a light-skinned actress that you get more auditions and more roles and more offers than your darker-toned counterparts, then maybe you can pass on a few of them. You know what I'm saying? I know Atlanta, it's been a while since Atlanta filmed and Donald keeps pushing back the date, whatever. But y'all need to stop playing around. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like Bridgerton. Like you have the guy who's a prince and his uh, his grandmother or his aunt, I think, 
who is like not his aunt basically like the woman who took care of him not his mom but like his mom's friend Mm -hmm. she is dark-skinned but she's not romantically involved with anyone she doesn't have a husband she's not dating anyone and a culture that is seen where marriage is something that's important and seen as something of a high class and like something that like elevates you in society she's quite elevated in society but she's a widow or she's single and she's seen as like the matriarch and she's also a storyteller and she's a narrator, but she's not romantically involved and he's there. She's seen as like the advisor and the queen is light-skinned. So yeah, that's my rant. I'm going to pass on Stagecoach Mary. Not Stagecoach Mary, it's not the, the name of the movie. The movie is The Harder They Fall. And I feel bad because it's a, it's a Regina King production and I love Regina. Like I love her so much. She just like, I, oh, everything she does is so good, but this is not it. This is not the this is not the right choice. They're they're like Sayla and the Spades. All these films that have come out recently with like different actresses now, there isn't an excuse, and there never was really an excuse in the beginning when like Yara, Zendaya, and like Amanda were like the top picks for black actresses. That so yeah. Oh, one last thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of Letitia Wright and her BS. Do you know what she did? Uh, I don't think so. I've heard her name pop up recently. Though. Okay, so Letitia, is, there's been reports saying that she has been basically spouting anti-vaccine rhetoric on the set of Black Panther 2, and people think that she's going to be recasted by Michaela, Michaela Cole, which, okay. like, because she, she joined the film, but she joined the film a bit later, and I don't think they're going to recast her. But it's just been reported that she has been spouting some anti-vaccine rhetoric on set and it's been making people uncomfortable. And she also lost her U.S. representation representatives after she posted that anti-vaccine video on her Twitter. So, yeah. Interesting. Girl, how are you going to play the smartest person in the MC? Did you say some dumb shit? We I need mean, to stop. that just means that she's a good actress. That doesn't mean that she's <laughs> good in real up, life. Stop. <laughs> Y'all need to shut up. Please stop Can this. We, I, I hate to say this. Actually, I don't hate to say this. I don't hate to say this. Because Nicki Minaj also did this recently, too. Mm-hmm. Just because you're a celebrity does not this, mean that you should be speaking. Does the not fact mean you have that good ideas. Yeah, the fact that you're a celebrity doesn't mean that you have any form of, like, authority, especially over a scientific practice. Like, mm-hmm. like you, you got, like, um... I don't know, people use this a lot as a, as, as a joke, but like, for example, like Nicki Minaj got famous for rapping, okay? Yeah. She knows nothing, nothing about the science world. Why should anyone take her advice about the science world? Now, if it was something about like, if it was something, um, you know, beauty related or something in the hip hop industry or something, um, I don't know, specifically in the music industry, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is what she is known for. That is what she does. That is her career. Talk to her about that. Don't talk to a celebrity that is nowhere even near what the issue is that you're asking about. Why would they mm-hmm. know? Why would they have access to any other information that you don't? Celebrity does not equal thought leader. Exactly. None of y'all are thought leaders. None of you guys, nobody has an original thought in their brain. We all gain, we all understand things from other people. Like, I know what colorism is because Black feminists defined colorism. Mm-hmm. you know what anti-vaccine rhetoric is because somebody got conspiracy theories from facebook and reddit and ran with that and her talking about the guy 
got the Barbados, Barbados, mm-hmm. Trinidad police oh, yeah, on Trinidad, it. Yeah, and they Barbados. were like, mm-hmm. we don't know anything about this, but that man should have told us, not you. Like, why didn't you go to a hospital? Yeah. And also people were like protesting in Atlanta in front of the CDC because of what she said. What are we doing? Ma'am. Sometimes celebrities can just not talk. Oh, true. True. You, we can't, we you can't really need that. to shut up. You really need to shut up because Mr. Petty fit to be in chains. All right. Miss Petty. And if I hear anything about the vaccines in the, the next song that you drop, the next album that you drop, no. bro, please, please no. Please no. I know about shots because I got it in my ass. <laughs> let me not. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. It really is insane to me because like people like you will go out, y'all will go out and get BBLs, but you simply will not get a vaccine. Like, can we please? No, okay, no, no, no. Please. You eat. Oh, shoot, what's like? What's what? What's an example? Um, I can't even think right now. If you're the, you eat McDonald's, but you no, won't get chitlins. those shots. What? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chitlins, mm-hmm. collard greens, and you drink. That. You drink Bang Energy. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> there is nothing. I remember when the vaccine was first starting to come out. There was a, a whole meme on Twitter. It was like you insert blank. You don't have mm-hmm. to worry about what's the vaccine. Like, uh, right. it was be it would be things like you eat at like Burger King once a week. You do not need to worry about what's in the vaccine. You don't. You don't. Uh, you <laughs> you spit tobacco. You don't have to worry about what's in the vaccine. You played on a public playground. Okay. You you don't need to worry about what's in the vaccine. No, no. You played in like a McDonald's play play. The vaccine will not yeah. hurt you. <laughs> You played around that black box on that green box on your parents' lawn that oh. has radioactive activity when mm-hmm. you were four years old. You don't need to worry about what's in the vaccine. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. One of y'all should have turned into Spider-Man by now, but the vaccine will not help with that. No, no. Okay. The, there's a lot of things that we just, and we accept. And a lot of the, like, a lot of them are much worse than the vaccine. Like you, you are smoking like cigarettes, pack a day. But you won't get the vaccine. One of those things will is much more likely to kill you than the other. One of those things has a lot long-term side effects that will negatively impair you. Mm-hmm. And one of them has been marketed since at least the 90s to not do. It's kind of it's very interesting how we pick and choose what things are safe. That's all. That's my rant. Just because you have a different thought though, the field does not mean you're smarter than everybody else. You're not Albert Einstein, babe. Okay. Sometimes oh, in the studio, write a rap. Sometimes, All right, don't start writing research papers. Sometimes you're in the minority for a reason. Sometimes mm. the majority of people are disagreeing with you because you are wrong. Yes. Y'all are a very vocal minority, and I'm gonna need shut up. Just shut shut up. Shut up. All right. Some of us can't you can't have hot girl summer or hot girl autumn. All right. But maybe, maybe we can have just like a mediocre yeah. possibly. All right. Before y'all try to wipe us out. Can we get a hot girl 2022, please? Please. Like just the whole year is hot girl. Can I be free in 2023? Can I be free? No. This will will not be over until 2027. (laughs) We have six more years. Bezos is going to rocket all the rich people to Mars by then. True. And then you'll end. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Also, did we talk about Dear Evan Hansen? No, no, we did not. Do you want to talk about Dear Evan Hansen? Did we ever talk about Dear Evan Hansen? You brought up that you were going to watch it. I think that's the only time that we brought it up. Oh. Did you watch I it? Don't, I don't plan on it. I'm not going to watch it. I do think we should we talk about movie another musicals, one. though. Wait, we should talk about what? Sorry. We should do movie musicals. Oh, yes. Yes, we need to. I mean, we brought yeah, them up so much. Good... We brought up Dear Evan Hansen. We brought up The Last Five Years. 
Um, I thought there was another one we brought up. I don't know. Anyways, I thought we brought up another, but regardless, definitely we need to talk about movies. Yeah, but I think that's it for us. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm all tired out. I did not anticipate me going off like that, but thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you would like more episodes, they are on Spotify. Go check us out. And uh, feel free to follow both of us at our socials, which will be in the description below. Please follow the Instagram for the podcast so that you know when the episodes are up. And, you know, feel free to send us suggestions through Instagram as well or through the email posted in the description. And you can also support us on acre.fm for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. And we really appreciate the support, the listens. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. All right. And that's it for me. Gwen, do you have anything to say before we go? Um, watch Gone Girl because it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> don't don't not watch it just because of all the stuff we said. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm it's not an amazing sorry. movie. I said anything. I said just what I said. because it's okay to hate a character. Like some, you can hate a character and still have it be a yes. great movie. Yes. If you said that off my chest, Mama, get it off me. <laughs> all right. And Amy Dunn is a terrible person. Yes, Amy Dunn is a terrible person. A terrible, horrible person. But that's it for us. So we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, bye guys. Bye.